Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Telfer and today I am joined by my close associate, Sean McGuigan. Hello there. And you know what happens when we get together? That's right, it's a primary coloured explosion of lower league football. League One and League Two are back in business, so we are going to put our heads together to look at one game from the Championship and one game each from the returning divisions. How does that sound, Sean? Ah, uh, that sounds fantastic. I, I, you know something? I don't know. I don't know what it says about me in, in terms of my sensibilities. I know that you are sometimes uh, subjected to light-hearted criticism for enjoying uh, bad films or being fascinated by bad films. Perhaps that would be a better way of putting it. But on Sunday, I woke up and was genuinely excited about the fact that I knew that within the next, perhaps that day or perhaps the next day, I was going to be able to watch. Uh, poorly constructed highlights packages that have been put together from bad games of football that have been shot on grainy video cameras. But I, w- I was genuinely excited and happy about that. So what that says about me, I, I don't know. Sean, when it comes to 12 o'clock on a Saturday night and you can see all the clubs have got their tweets scheduled and they all drop at once, so you get Falkirk, Wraith Rovers, Air United, Stenhouse, here, all dropping at once to say the highlights are ready to go live. You just think... Sunday, tomorrow is going to be a good day. I'm not going to spend my Saturday night watching them unless Falkirk have lost. I'm not going to spend my Saturday night watching them. <laughs> I was just about to say that. If Falkirk <laughs> lost, I would have up until 12 just to watch it. <laughs> Absolutely tired. Match six, keeping your eyes open just so you can watch Falkirk FC lose to a team that you've never even heard of before. It's- <laughs> 
absolutely magic. Now, before we get started, Sean, um, pre- in a previous episode, I once compared us to, perhaps unfairly, to Fred and Rose West. I said we were the Fred and Rose of the terrace, and I hadn't realised just how heinous a pair of eggs they were. So oh, they were bad eggs, real bad eggs. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I want to apologise to you. So this time, I thought, I was trying to think, I racked my brains and think, who are the polar opposite of Fred and Rose? And so I thought we are the Pierre and Marie Curie of uh, the terrace. Ah, nice. Okay. And I was, I was maybe going to say, I don't know, like people from the, the children's television show Rainbow. Just like the complete opposite of, of Fred and Fred and Rose. Nah, Zippy was a cunt. Well, we could have excluded him. Yeah, no, Bungle's a cunt as well. <laughs> I mean, let's be let's face it, you're not, going to, you're not going for a pint with Bungle, you're not going for a pint with Fred West. You know, you think you can put those put them into some category. You go for a pint with Pierre Curie. Uh, I'd probably, you know, sir, I wouldn't go for a pint with George for Rainbow either. He was pathetic. Aye. So so Rain, Rainbow's a bit of a, a Rainbow's comparison. Out. Rainbow's out. Yeah. Um, Tony Blair and Cherie Blair. <laughs> yeah, they looked a bit like Fred and, and Rose West. They did, I suppose. I was going to say, in terms of blood on their hands. You know? <laughs> Tony Blair might, might have just as much, if not more, if not than, more. than the erstwhile um, tradesman. But nevertheless, <laughs> we could be we could be here all day if we were to talk about the war crimes of that man. In fact, <laughs> it reminds me of that. Was it the the Albion Rovers tweet where they had a mystery signing and somebody asked them, "Do you think Tony Blair should be tried for war crimes?" Mystery signing, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I tell you, Sean, we're cooking the gas. It's like we've never been away. And we are going to start with the championship. We're going to start with East End Park, where Dunfermline Athletic took on Inverness Caledonian Thistle and went down thanks to a very well-taken goal from the Cali Thistle utility man, David Carson. Cali Thistle won the match 1-0. Another um, feather in the cap for Neil McCann. Whereas Dunfermline's inconsistent form continued. Sean, we'll go to yourself. I'm going to say we'll go to yourself first. I could just keep on talking or we'll go to yourself. Um, what do you want the end of this game. Is it possible for is it possible for something to be both really really dull but fascinating at the same time? It certainly can be because because the championship is kind of shaped up like that. Like I, I don't know I don't know if there's any if there's any set of fans in the championship that are particularly happy. Like if you go through from from Hearts to Alloa, I don't think there's any any group of supporters that are particularly happy are, with, are both, with how their season shaped up. Are both. Uh, our growth have been sucked back into it at the bottom. They, they, they might be the least unhappy. I would say. I would say when if you were to, to do a if you were to do a a, a poll of, of fan satisfaction, I'm sure that that our growth would, would would rank quite highly. I think I don't want to say that, that our growth are, are happy to be there, but generally they they, they always seem to, to to do quite well. I think they know their position. It's that, it's that they're they're expected to sort of duke out at the bottom of the table. So a sort of seventh place, eighth place finish, they'd be content. With that, maybe, maybe I think I think our growth would they may be top of that that particular pile because they are the least unhappy rather than the happiest. But why are why are Rovers unhappy? Every time I speak to you, Sean, Sean, you you can't get enough talking about John McGlynn and and Paul Smith and Kai Kennedy and all that. You you you. Wraith Rovers were described to me during the week as uh, a good group of ten players that have decided to play with a supporter up front, and that's. That, that that kind of sums them up. If, if you were to combine all three Wraith Rover strikers, combine them into one, I, I, st- I still don't actually know you would get a good striker out of it. 
but, but you know, so we'll, we'll come on to refros. Come on to let's let's go to Dunfermline. But I, I I do think that their fans have probably just about had enough of of Stevie Crawford. I know that I know they're sitting in playoff positions, uh, but the the last well the last week has, has probably summed them up. So they're a fairly turgid no no draw with Morton during the week. I, I think the. I think the whoever puts together the, the the highlights for the Scottish Cup done very well to get four minutes of highlights out of a, a game that lasted 120 minutes and the penalty shootout. <laughs> uh, but the the Inverness performance at the weekend, Dunfermline, they just never really looked like scoring. They, they had a goal disallowed. Uh, I think it was a, 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 a play from Dom Thomas slipped Craig White in. Uh, it was mm-hmm. a decent finish under uh, under the keeper, but it was ruled out for offside. It was definitely offside, though. I think that, that that's something that Dunfermline's highlights do. Well, certainly, again, we can talk about Dunfermline's highlights, but certainly one of the things that they do well is contentious issues. They will slow it down and and sort of like it, it zoom in and magnify the issues. And you could tell he was a good couple of yards yeah, uh, totally. offside, I mean, your pardon, offside when uh, he was slipped in. And he was rightly offside. But other than that... From a, an attacking perspective, that was probably about it. And, and bear in mind, and I know I know I've spoken about this before. And you know, so maybe it is that I have absolutely overrated Stevie Crawford's signings and overrated how good their family squad is. But a team that has, I think, Dale McManus is, is decent at Championship level. We know that Kevin O'Hara can score goals at this level. We know that Dom Thomas can play well. Uh, Ryan Dow, I appreciate that he's now injured, but you know he's, he's played the bulk of this season. Fraser Murray is, is, a, is a decent signing. They've brought in Craig Whiten. Yes, he has his doubters. But again, Craig Whiten is probably good for this level. But what mm. you've seen from Saturday was Craig Whiten was never getting the ball, so he dropped deeper and deeper and deeper. And the family just never really had they just never really had an outlet. And then yeah. Crawford, he changes his team up time after time after time. He changes his formation. He changes his his strike force, whether it's one up front or a, a combination as it was during the week in, in, in the Scottish Cup. And I appreciate that because it may be because that they're on such a bad run and, he, and he's trying to, to change the team about. But the fact that he is, whatever he is now, 18 months in the door, longer than that, two years in the door, and it kind of still feels like he doesn't really know what his strongest team is. And the fact that I think they do have a good squad and he's not getting a good tune out of them, I don't think it says a lot about Crawford, and I was surprised that he was he was made the Dunfermline manager. And I don't think I don't think he would have got the job if he hadn't been regarded as a Dunfermline legend. Because mm. I, I don't think he'd done much from a managerial or coaching perspective that necessarily warranted him this position. And, and I think we're now I think we're now seeing why he maybe didn't warrant it. Uh, one of the things that's quite interesting that you said there, Sean, is that he doesn't seem to know his, his best living, doesn't seem to know his best formation. You think he's quite a reactive manager? Because if you certainly if you, you go back to, to the end of January, um, Dunfermline have gone on a lose, win, lose, win, lose, win, lose. Do you think that it's he just changes his team depending on the result? Like the previous week, so it's like we lost that one, so we need to change it. I, th- I, think, he might, I think he might be naturally a cautious manager. I think he... I think he goes for it when he needs to. Now, that, why that is, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think when Hearts beat Dunfermline in November, I thought they looked like a really good team. And I thought they played on the front foot and I thought they pushed Hearts back. And on the night they looked, I'm not saying they looked as good as Hearts, but they didn't look that much inferior to Hearts. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have been 3-0 down to Dundee this season and they had to be on the front foot and they got back to 3-3. They've been 2-0 down to Wraith Rovers this season and got it back to 2-2. 
They looked pretty good actually against Hearts at Tynecastle. Again, mm-hmm. when they kind of attacked Hearts, uh, they were probably unlucky to lose 1 0. But generally, generally they, they seem quite cautious. And I don't know if they have. I don't know if they have the squad of players to to be such a cautious team. And I think they generally have players that can hurt the opposition, but I don't know if they always set up to to do so. You know, it's quite interesting. When I looked at that starting lineup, the the graphic that came up in the highlights package, and I looked at Dunfermline's starting lineup, I said to myself, "That's actually a really good team." When you go through the names, but you mentioned them earlier, Sean, the, the attacking talent. That's that's even before you mentioned guys like Ian Wilson, who's a really good at uh, as a sort of number six, almost at just sort of taking the ball off the defence and being able to to progress it further up the park. And Scott Banks who, as we've seen at this level, can be yep. a devastating presence on the, on the on the flanks. What do you think is best team? If you if you were to step into the shoes of Stevie Crawford, what do you think the, the best team that, that Dunfermline can put out is? I think if... I don't think he necessarily needs to, to think about it. I, I, would, I would always play McManus, because I think he can hurt teams. I think he's... I think he's... Uh, uh, I think he... I always like his work rate. And you know something? See if you played... See if you played Dirtley McManus every single week. He would end the season with between 10 to 12 goals. Now, is that a great return? No. But is it a decent return for somebody that can also do uh, a lot of dirty work as well? Yes, it is. Whiten should be starting. Uh, I like I, I like Dom Thomas. I like Ryan Dow. I, I'll tell you who I think they might miss. And I would probably have played them every week. And I, I thought he started the season really well. I, I thought Kyle Turner was yeah. a, a strange. I mean, something is something has presumably happened there. The fact that Kyle Turner has left, but I would have had him in the middle of the park every week. The story is that he refused to sign a new contract, so was frozen out of the team because of that, and then subsequently loaned out to to Air Jorians, where four minutes into his debut against Peter Head, he was uh, sent off for chopping down Ryan Conroy. <laughs> But yeah, I, I do find find that a strange thing. I don't know what it must be like to be a manager if you if you've got players who are just saying I'm not going to be here. I'll I'll, I'll happy to play and I'm going to still like play as hard as I can and train well and and be a professional. But I'm not going to be here in the season. What that does as a manager does that put doubt in your mind that a player isn't going to try as hard, isn't going to give us all? I I, I don't know. So in one but, aspect, but based on but, but based on his performances this season. It, it looked like he, not only was he, I mean, I've no idea how he was training, but it looked like he was playing well. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, thought, it was a, I thought it was an odd decision. He'd, he'd done something similar as well where uh, Andy Ryan was let go to, to Airdrie and, and, and presumably the, the circumstances were totally different. But again, uh-huh. it, it felt like he was somebody who could have done a job for them. I, I don't think that was anything to do with uh, anything that happened. Uh, but based on him as a player, I think it was perhaps based on a Christmas trip to overseas perhaps I've, I've said too much I've said I've said too much we we're talking a lot about Dunfermline Sean let's talk about Cali Thistle there that's them recorded back-to-back wins against teams from Fife away from home they they beat Wraith Rovers 1-0 and then turning up at that that turning over bigger pardon turning over uh, Dunfermline 1-0 what do you make of their performance and particularly what do you make of the performance of David Carson uh, who's playing at right back David Carson is a strange one in that for all the time he's been at Inverness, I've I've never watched the highlights and never watched a 90 minutes and thought that he particularly stuck out in the middle of the park. But in terms of the last three games, he's played it right back and it looks like it suits him considerably more. He suddenly looks like a, an attack-minded 
rampaging fullback that can both get forward and defend. I think he was, I think he was man of match against Wraith Rovers. Uh, he scored the winner against Dunfermline. I'm trying to think where the game was in, in between. But again, I, I think he was man of match and got in the, the SPFL team of the week. Uh, or, or the Craig Fowler eleven. Uh, you and I both know that means fuck all. <laughs> <laughs> but regardless, he has went from a player who was probably quite easy to overlook and didn't necessarily stick out to look like one of Inverness's main men. Now, whether that is whether that is Neil McCann has uh, pinpointed that that he would suit being at right back, or whether it is uh, by accident, I, I don't know. But it's it's certainly worked out. You know, it's, it's quite interesting, Sean. One of the best players, certainly over the last, certainly since 2021, has been Willie Gibson at Queen of the South. And I've said, not in this podcast, but I've said that he plays he plays at fullback like a central midfielder. And obviously, I don't want to compare Alan Johnson to Pep Guardiola, but that's how Pep Guardiola likes his fullbacks to play. He, he likes them to operate as central midfielders, have that ability to, to, to come inside and, and and link play that way and, and it's a sort of different mindset that that if you're playing it if you're playing at fullback you think what would what would my midfielder want me to do what would the guys in the middle of the park want me to do if I, if I'm playing there and I think that's what you're seeing from Willie Gibson and I think that's what you're seeing from 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 David Carson he doesn't tend to play like uh like a fullback it's I think there's a natural instinct of his to sort of come inside and, and involve himself more of the plane although that doesn't necessarily stretch it the, the the match um horizontally it does give you different options in the middle of the parking having seen him against Hart and Midlothian having watched the highlights uh, there I've, I liked what I've seen from him other than his hairband yeah I mean somebody who has reasonably long red hair shouldn't wear a, a, a headband it just it isn't a good look but but that aside uh his I, I thought his goal was particularly well taken I mean it kind of very well taken that stemmed from, I mean, I think Dunfermline had attacked or, or looked like they were, they were on the break and their fullback, uh, the left back, Kyle McDonald, had kind of, he'd sprinted forward and he'd got about as far as a halfway line and it broke down. And his, it was interesting because it was his, his first instinct wasn't to rush back and get into position and the play broke down and I think it fell to, to Sean Welsh. Sean Welsh played it through to, to Carson, who now had loads of space to run into because the, the the left back wasn't it? McDonald was now in the halfway line. Ewan Murray then made his way uh, over to, to try and fill that gap. Ewan Murray was then, I mean, yes, David Carson took it round him, but Ewan Murray then went in a weird, I don't know how to describe it. It was like a crescent-shaped run. <laughs> like, like you kind of feel like he, he could have stopped and then ran back, but instead he'd done like this weird turning half circle. So he was now miles out of position, but but the finish itself for Carson was very good. And it, it kind of it, 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 it summed up his, his last two or three games where it looks like he has found a position that, that really, really suits him. And I think Sean Welsh as well, the, the fact that he is, is kind of back for injury, he's very important with Inverness. And as much as I think that this is one of the, the poorer Inverness sides of, yeah. of recent years, I, I don't. This will not go down as a classic Inverness 11, put it that way. I, I think they're short, very much so up, up front. Defensively, I, I, I don't think they're great. But again, they're within touching distance of the playoffs and it, it kind of sums up the league a wee bit. And I was, when Neil McCann was appointed to, to kind of fill in, we, we don't know if it's interim for, for John Robertson or, or whatever the scenario is here. I didn't think it was a very good appointment. You, you will struggle to convince me that, that Neil McCann is a, is a good boss, but, but maybe he's just... Maybe he's just established certain things, and he, he's just starting to realise where certain people could, where he can get a tune out of people. I don't, I don't know. 
Where do you think Inverness Cali Thistle can finish this season? I think at the start of the year, they would have been pegged for top four contenders, outside contenders. I would have had them in the top four. I mean, they're, they're only... There are three points behind uh, Dundee, having, despite having played a, a game more. Uh, do you think they can break into uh, those those one of those three positions? No, I do. I, I do think you can finish top four. I, I'm, I'm not saying they definitely will, but I think that's because there is probably a fag paper of a, of a difference in terms of quality between maybe five teams in, in the league. And I think... I think Dundee probably have enough about them in an attacking sense now in terms of Paul, we'll probably touch the name, but Paul McMullen and, and Jason Cummings, I, I would imagine they'll finish in the top four. Dunfermline might just sneak it, but in saying that, they've only won five and 17 since yeah. they beat Hearts 2-1 in November. <sighs> Inverness are, are in the equation, but in saying that, you have, a, you have a league where the only thing I can say with any degree of certainty is Hearts won't get relegated mm-hmm. and Alloa <laughs> won't get promoted. And that's the only thing I can say <laughs> With any degree of certainty. You know, this is the first time in a long time, Sean, I've actually took a look at the championship table and I cannot believe, genuinely cannot believe that there are five points between Greenock Morton in eighth place and Wraith Rovers in second. You've watched, I've, I've watched a lot of championship games over, since, well, certainly since the shutdown. I watched a lot of championship games on, on the streams and I think you don't really get a feel you don't really get a proper feel for these games unless you're actually in the stadium. You know, it's, it's when you're watching a stream and there's there's commentators and, and so on, and you, you're, the camera position isn't great, so you're you're watching players and, and you can recognise players, but you can't recognise their face, if mm-hmm. you know what I mean. How, how, what, what have you made of the championship this season? Has it been, as a Raid Rovers fan, has this been easier than you expected? Or has it been? Tell, talk to me. Talk to me. It was funny because I, I know Joe spoke at the start of the season about how he was not enjoying watching games uh, online, and it wasn't really doing very much. Wasn't really doing very much from it. And as much as I could appreciate where he's coming from, it it, it was still kind of giving me a, a construct for the weekend. It was giving me something to do. It was giving me something to aim for. It was giving me something to look forward to. But I, I I now appreciate that was probably because Wraith Rovers are doing very well. Yeah. Like it was high scoring games. They were uh playing very good football, which they still do. However, they they don't have that presence up front. And as as a consequence, I'd say I've now watched five or six fairly poor games in in a row. And and am I enjoying it? No. And yeah. and see in terms of the See, in terms of what you've mentioned about recognising players, yeah. I, I am I am struggling with that. Depending on depending on how good a club's uh, kind of match day output was, uh, match day output is. See if it's if it's picks a lot. Fuck. Depending on the camera angle, I'm really struggling to establish who's who, and and that that kind of lessens the the, the, the enjoyment, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You know, so I put this on Twitter earlier in the week, and. It's, I've watched a lot of Queen of the South games, particularly when Queen of the South went over that really impressive run at the end of December up until the last fortnight when they, they lost two games in a row. Watched a lot of Queen of the South and like James Maxwell, for instance, I've really enjoyed what I've seen from James Maxwell. I think he's a cracking player and I think Queen of the South have done really well in terms of his development because he'll, he's, he can see he's improving as a player. He's more ambitious. He's bold. The, the runs he makes down for the left-hand side are really impressive. And he knows now what it's like to be in a team who aren't doing well, who are doing well, are subsequently like, like struggling again. So in terms of his fortitude and resilience, this is a really a good experience for him. 
I couldn't tell you what he looks like. If he, I said that if he was to come to my door and punch me in the face, I would be like, who did that? Rather than be like, James Maxwell punched me in the face. And it's it's a really, really difficult to, to, to form a connection with, with, with a lot of these players. I mean, we'll come on and talk about Stennis Muir's offering. But I remember reading on Pine Bovril, a fan saying that, like a couple of fans actually saying that they were just completely indifferent to this season because it's guys who have been sent, young guys released by Hearts and Hibs, who unless you actually worked in these academies, you would know who these players are. So you're looking at guys who the camera position is so far away it's a bit a wide, just one wide shot that swings slightly depending on the action is guys representing your club that you've no idea, you've never heard of them, you've no idea who they are, and you can't recognize them. So I can completely understand why people are really struggling to make a connection with, with their team this season. I mean, I'm very fortunate enough that I'm able to go to the Stenhouse Muir games and, and see them. So I can tell you a bit about guys like Paul Brown or, or Jack Hodge or Callum Yates, where there's people other people won't be and you're still expected to to turn up on a Saturday and, and pay your money f- for a stream so it is, it is really difficult and it's uh, it's been a it's been a hard season I know we're kind of going off topic there but I just think that that what we're saying about the the, the quality of the division like having watched a lot of championship I could I still I still really can't tell you much about them in fact even watching the, the Dunfermline Cali Thistle highlights because there was no commentary and because of the angle of the camera and because I don't know, like to be honest, like at sight a lot of the players, I found it quite difficult to, to know who was doing what and and stuff. And I think that, to be honest, like I'd expect better from a team like Dunfermline. The, the the highlights themselves are quite good. They could do a bit of commentary as well for the lay person like myself. I, I think uh, I think you know something. I think Rovers fans are quite lucky. I think I think from our point of view, are quite lucky in that yeah. we have a pretty professional setup, uh, a, a decent camera angle two commentators that, that know what they're talking about, uh, a, a replay function, and then at halftime they do, so either there's a, there's a quiz, which I, I appreciate people could probably take a leave, but then they have the, they normally have like a, maybe a, a 10 minute interview yeah. with a player who, they try and go for a player who has played for both clubs yeah. that, that, that's playing that Saturday, and then they do a, a full length, so the interview might last 35 minutes, but they'll upload that to YouTube and then just have a kind of 10 minute prime cut uh, on, on a Saturday afternoon but the Rovers output is is, is very good and, when and I bought this sorry, sorry Sean just to, to agree with your point there, when I bought a stream for the match against Queen of the South I think this has been just before Christmas I, I was really impressed with it I thought that you know the, the commentary is a very difficult thing to, to get nailed down because obviously you're fans of the club you'll be quite partisan but you've got to remember that there are other people who don't really care about Wraith Rovers are also watching the match that just want to want the match to be called with a bit of insight and, and a bit of like facts about players. And that's certainly some clubs do that very well. Wraith Rovers is one. I think Greenock Morton, to be honest, I think Morton's offering is probably the best in the good, division. Um, and then it comes right. Aloha's is very good. The boy, Kieran Mooney, who does uh, the commentary for, for Aloha, really, really impressed with him. He's, he's only a, a right young guy as well. And then it comes down in scale to you get like our, our broth, for, for instance. <laughs> Like, like, like I said on a view from the terrace, I think it's uh, if you're to describe our bros commentary as an acquired taste, you're being very, very charitable um, in, in in that regard. I, I I listened to an interview on the the Wine Shuffle. Oh, right, okay. At that podcast, and they, to be fair, they they did uh, compliment him and said that there's a lot of people who they don't necessarily want their commentator to be kind of refined and professional, and they just want a, a kind of a, a layman in there, a, a man of the people. 
So in fairness, I suppose Fermat might appeal to a, a lot of people. It might not be for, for you or me, but it, it might appeal to, to a lot of people. So I suppose I suppose we have to bear that in mind. Just something to think about. That's that's fine. You know something, there'll be people who might tune into the Senesmere FC commentary on one of the times you can actually hear me and Cammy talking. <laughs> And might think these guys are absolutely atrocious. These guys are terrible to listen to. And there are people might tune into the our Broth FC stream and be like slapping their thighs and thinking this is absolutely fantastic. So yeah, that's it. That's a, a fair play, fair play. But uh, you know, so man, I can't wait to get back to the back to the football. That's or just have everyone back at the football. I, I know. I mean, you, you go to you working at the Wraith games from time to time. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes uh, I'll, I'll be there this Saturday and I, I genuinely can't wait. But yes, it's good to still be there, but is it, it, it's still not no. it's still a kind of false experience. Aye, 100%. And you feel a bit, well, certainly I feel a bit selfish that I'm there, a bit guilty that I'm able to go and, and other people aren't. And it's just, you want that, co- football's, you know, if, if, if your team scores a world-class goal and only you're there to see it, it's great, but I mean, you want to to shape people these emotions for everyone to experience them at the same time. You know, watched I was watching uh, Sky Sports. They, they showed an old uh, clip of a, a highlights from a Rangers Celtic game from 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 last year, and just the crowd and the noise, and it just like it was a beautiful sort of late spring day, and it just looked so much fun. It's like I, I can't wait to, to to get this back. And, and just so we're not streaming anymore and we're not having to talk about tarts being taken to some caravan in Kirkcaldy or something. I, I, you know, so I, I don't know. I, I don't know. We just, we just we don't want to. That's that's not what I tune in for when I'm uh, when I'm paying for the football. Um, but uh, well, do, you want, do you want to talk about some of the other games that took place in the championship? Regardless, that aside. Okay, one of those the Friday night game on BBC Scotland channel was Aloha Athletic nil Dundee three. Uh, good night for Lee Ashcroft. Not a good night for Andy Graham. No, no, not at all. I uh, I, I was kind of paying attention to this on the Friday, and then when Dundee went one up, I, I, I switched over. So I watched uh, the highlights on uh, the Aloha YouTube channel, and I was what I did enjoy was uh, the Aloha co-commentator had researched Jason Cummings and discovered a story about uh, Cummings where he was considering changing his allegiance to Australia rather than Scotland, so he could get a game for the, the national team. So he, he obviously had this in mind, and he wasn't entirely sure when to use this story, and he had a he had a punchline. So the, the punchline was about Jason Cummings wearing a hat with corks on it. So that was a, that was going to be the punchline, right? <laughs> so he, 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 he decided to deliver the story when Dundee had a corner kick, that I, I don't think that's the best time to deliver this story. And he the, he, he he said the punchline about as uh, Jason Cummings wearing a hat with corks on it, just as uh, Lee Ashcroft's head was meeting the ball for Dundee's second goal. So has the the punchline it, it just kind of dribbled away, and then he ended it with, oh, <laughs> I was it was the, the two goals lost. I think. Aloha gave it a good go. I think that's you. You certainly they had, they had a lot of chances for set pieces. They had a lot of chances for set pieces. They, they did trouble Dundee, but that's that. That kind of sums Aloha up. They haven't. There's been no games this season where they've been absolutely pummeled, but they've just lacked that five percent or ten percent. And, and it's probably it's probably more up top that, mm-hmm. that they've kind of lacked the ability to, to hurt teams this season. 
Certainly, I think uh, that, that Ennis Cameron over, over the last couple of months has done really well and has really come into a game. But you're asking a lot from an 18, 19 year old. I mean, he's still yeah. really raw and he is he is getting better. I'm sure there was one point where fans were thinking, is Robert Thompson perhaps a better option up top? But Ennis Cameron, you're, you see him again, watch, watch a lot of Aloha, like his, his willingness to to just, just run and, and just press from the front. And it, he goes through, must go through some powder running in, in the games. But he has chipped in with some really important goals. He scored um, the like a late, um, his first goal of the season was a 90th minute uh, equaliser against um, against Aloha. You know, he scored uh, the opening goal against Cali Thistle. He scored in the 1-1 draw, or not, sorry, later on. With um, with Cali Thistle, you know, he's, he, uh, so he's he's he has really really come into a game. So, but it's, it's a lot to expect uh, someone as young as him who has still got a lot of learning to do to to carry that side. But I mentioned Andy Graham's name there, and Graham, one of my I've said it before, the, one of the most charismatic people I've ever met, an absolute titan, probably more like absolutely guys brilliant. And he's got a big future in management ahead of him. However, I think he was caught. On, the, on his heels in both times for, for both of Ashcroft's goals. And I think that, particularly from set pieces, that's something where you would expect him to excel, you know, the, in terms of organisation, being able to read the game, positional sense. And he you could tell the, when the ball hit the back of the net both times, the, the shoulder sort of slumped, that he's like, Fuck, that, I'm sorry, guys, that was my fault there. And I think I think for both teams, I think I think they both struggled in terms of defending set pieces on night, but as you say, aye. Uh, I would be disappointed with, with what they gave away, and and, and on both occasions it, it, it wasn't great defending from from Alloa. Well, I would say was it the third goal? I thought the third goal was great in terms of the setup from Paul McMullen. Yeah, uh, the fact that he kind of came down the left and then cut inside, and I think he, I think he played it through somebody's legs for Mark Anderson to to run on and, and finish. But like that was the goal that that, that really impressed me, and, and McMullen. The fact that he, like, I know we, we speak about Paul McMullen about how good he can be in the championship and then he, he gets up to the premiership and then doesn't really seem to make an impact. But if anything, this, since he's come to Dundee, this might be his most productive spell in his career. I mean, he, he seems to be constantly setting up goals week in, week out. And we, we see it occasionally from McMullen, but in terms of this uh, productiveness over the last two months, it's quite unusual. He seems to have really in his groove at the moment. No, it's good to see. I absolutely love Paul McMullen during a lone spell with Stennis Muir in 2015. And it's it's good watching him. He's a kind of funny way that, that he plays. Just he's all... Remember you describing, was it Mark Stewart as, as looking like a, a speedboat with no driver? It's like he does look like a speedboat, but it's a child that's driving it. So there is some <laughs> degree of control over it. It's just, it's, it's good to see him doing well. It's just, I'm, I'm not 100% sure if he can be trusted to take your team onto that next level. But I do hope that changes because I, I, I do I do like I, I him. Think he, I think he can take your team to the next level. I, I just don't know if he can play there <laughs> once, once the team's there. Yeah, he will take you to that level, but he won't stay there himself. <laughs> the other match, uh, I, I would say this was a surprise, are both nil Hart and Midlothian nil, but I think that that game's perhaps been overshadowed by events on Tuesday night. Do, do you know something? I, I I tried to seek out every single highlights package I could, and I've, I've managed it on most occasions. So I've watched the highlights of almost every lower league game over the weekend, 
apart from Arbroath Hearts because I could not care less. Yeah. I have watched so many Hearts games this season and they've been terrible to watch. And then Joel was telling me about the game on Saturday and whoever else, I can't remember what other Hearts fan was watching the game, Craig Cairns maybe, and they were just saying, this is fucking rubbish. And I was like, right, I, I, I am not going to try and seek this out. No, I, I, I didn't. I've seen either. too many Hearts performances that have went down that route. I, I think pound for pound, they're the worst team in Scotland this season. Worst team to watch in Scotland this season. You can maybe say that, that Celtic have had a crap season, but at least occasionally they can be entertaining. Hearts, though, are just like, it's not as if they're, they're losing to make it funny. It's just they are <laughs> consistently really, really poor. And a lot of people were saying that the defeat to Brewer Rangers, it's still a shock, but it's not necessarily a surprise because Hearts have really been treading water all season. And, and, and I, I kind of I kind of buy into that. I kind of buy into this idea that Brewer Rangers beating Hearts isn't a shock. Oh, no, no, no. No, what, what I mean, sorry, it's a, I, what, what I mean by that is there's people, I think Hearts fans saw something like this coming, perhaps not against Brewer Rangers. And do you see, you see there's a there's a weird subculture on, on social media. Somebody within the terrace referred to them as non-league truthers. I think it was uh, maybe Big Thulis that referred to them as that. Where this weird subculture of, of, of non-league fans are adamant that their teams are better than a lot of the stuff in, in the SPFL, and they're using and and that may, may be the case. We, we we don't know not until there's a there, there's they get to the chance to play each other more often. But when it comes to the the, the early stages in the Scottish Cup, these non-league truthers really come out to play. And I suppose you can maybe say that like last term when Stennis Muir were beaten by Pennycook Athletic and uh, Cowden Beath were knocked out by Broxburn and BSC Glasgow be East Fife. So there's a degree in there. Not this though. Not this. You can't compare like one of the biggest teams in the country going out to a team at the top of Highland League. That's just too big uh, a gap. And as bad as hearts are at the moment, that is still the kind of result that makes you go, fucking hell. So the people that were saying that there was some absolute tube saying, oh yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised by this. There's some great quality beneath the SPFL. Fuck up. You tell me this wasn't a surprise. You tell me you 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 tell me you weren't sitting in your armchair watching the scores coming on a Tuesday, going, "Oh yeah, there's Brewer Rangers winning, good for them." Not to be like, "Fucking hell, what's up with Hearts?" And you know something? A lot of the time we spend focusing too much on the the the, the big team going out and not enough of the smaller team going through. This is inc- I'm sorry, but this is incredible. This is no no disrespect to Brewer Rangers, but what's happening at Hearts just now? I find it I find it fascinating just how. This has been this season has been such a, a wasted opportunity for the club. And you can talk about sort of the, the COVID environment and people not being allowed to get in. But I, if I was a Hearts fan, I would absolutely despise this team that are in the park at the moment. I it must be, and, and especially on this, it must be very, very difficult to uh, to, to, to kind of I, I don't know how to describe it to to endear themselves to it. I, I suppose, and although. I mean, would would the players be performing better if there was a crowd in Tynecastle? I, I I don't know whether that would be better or worse, and I'm, I'm not entirely sure. But but see, in terms of your point, uh, where a, a, a cup shock makes people say, "Oh, maybe we should be opening up the leagues." I I, I really I, I, I struggle to to agree with that. So like, see when see when Kelty were chucking a two 0 lead against Stranraer and Stranraer won three two. 
No, nobody for no Lowland League fan was saying, "Well, you know something that's that's fair enough. That's fair enough at Kelty and in, in the Lowland League." Generally speaking, league teams beat non-league teams, and and that's generally the way of it. And then see when I don't know. See when Albion Rovers beat Motherwell. Nobody suggested. Oh, maybe maybe we should maybe we should push Albion Rovers up a couple of leagues. It's, it's just <laughs> it's just a cup shock, and these things happen. What, what I would say is, I think that Broda are, are a very good team. I think that Broda might have beat Kelty. I think Broda might have beat the team that, that finished bottom of the SPFL. I, I, I don't know. But uh, I I think, pound for pound, this might be the biggest Scottish Cup shock of, of all time. Would, would be of all time? Yeah, I, I think so. It's the, I, I still think you go back to Berwick Rangers beating Rangers. I think that's the, that's the biggest one. I think this has been the biggest upset of my lifetime. I'm, I'm thinking of, like, when I, I would have been, I'd have no concept of football at the age of, like, three, but, but Hamilton beating Rangers, Stenhouse Muir beating... But they, were in the same, but they were in the same league. Like, Ham, yes, Hamilton were, a, Hamilton were a terrible top-tier team. They, they, they finished bottom that season with, with very few points, but they were still in the same division. Right, I, there you go. I did not know that then. We'll scratch that one then. We'll go Stenhousemuir versus Aberdeen then. There you go. Team two divisions... Two divisions down, but but Steny weren't in the Highland League. No, I'm talking. These are sorry. These are big upsets. This is my lifetime. I think I don't think it's the biggest of all time. This Bro Rangers Hearts, the ones in my lifetime, big upset. Stensmuir versus Aberdeen, Clyde beating Celtic, mm-hmm. um, and as you mentioned, there Albion Rovers knocking out Motherwell, but nothing on the the same scale as this. Hearts, Hearts are one of the big clubs. When I think about the Scottish Rovers, Rangers, Celtic, Aberdeen. The Hearts and Hibs are the the they're, they're the fact in Dundee United. They're the six biggest clubs in Scotland. So any of them going out to a, a place, a, a, a team from a place where most people couldn't point out in a map, that's that's a shock. That's the, that's the biggest upset of my lifetime. And I'm sure, like when we were filming a view from the terrace yesterday, talking, that's the very first thing that you say to to Joe. I saw him outside before we got uh, before we got our temperature check before we going in. And I was like, what happened last night? And he just started laughing. <laughs> that's, that's, all, that's all you can do. Fowler's like, I didn't watch it. I wish I had done because it would have been hilarious. And Robert was like, I, it's like, I mean, I'm really angry. But I mean, it's very funny. You know, that's the worst you've got to say. This is, this is actually very funny. I, I, don't, I don't know if all hearts are taking that stance. All hearts fans are taking that stance. But it goes beyond I me. Mean, you saw the statement today that was put out was saying, oh, yes, we're very disappointed and we're very angry about it. But Robbie maintains his commitment to getting the club out of the, the, the championship. And you're like, well, fuck's sake, that is the bare minimum. You're on course to achieve the bare minimum. You know, there's you, you've not put a pattern in place, that a style of play in place that will look good in the top flight. This group of players that you've signed, someone like two-year contracts, they're going to have to be, well you're going to have to turn over the squad again. Some of these guys are going to have to be paid off because they've looked crap crap in the championship. Although weirdly, going back to what Fowler and Joe said, they fancy this team to do, they would look better in the premiership than they would in the championship. They say, they suggested that hearts really struggle when teams don't come at them and they find it difficult to break sides down. So if you're playing against better sides where there's more onus in them to attack, they think hearts will look better there. And I, I, I don't know. That's certainly one way to certainly one way to look at it. Uh, yes, but it sounded like Brora Rangers really attacked them on Tuesday, <laughs> <laughs> and they really struggled against them. So I'm not so sure. I I, I remember when we, we discussed Hearts in the summer, and I was I was surprised at what the the JT fans were saying about the caliber of the signings and how 
how strong they thought the squad was, and I, I know I've discussed this before. Uh, and and I maybe I was maybe I was playing devil's advocate. Maybe I was maybe I was underestimating them. What I would say is I I I, I don't think this Hearts team it probably doesn't need quite the overhaul that that everybody thinks it does. Like like most teams that get promoted will bring in four, five, six players, and I've no doubt that this that that Robin Nielsen will do exactly the same when when they get promoted. And I also think it must be quite difficult. Yes, I know. I know winning the league and get promoted is the bare minimum. And yes, I know the championship isn't very good and that Hearts have ultimately disappointed, but they're still miles clear. So so from a from a an Ann Budge or a, a, a kind of Hearts boardroom point of view, does this result mean that you would you would necessarily dispense with the services? I, I, I could see why they, they wouldn't even really consider it. Yes, they're unimpressed, but I still think like, I still think he'll be the, the manager at the start of next season. I, I just think that you go into that division, there's there's no wriggle room for him. You, you know, it's like after, after a, it's not as if there's credit. He, I don't think he's got a lot of credit in the bank. There's none. He, he's almost, he's none. There's he's no wriggle room. Negative. He's almost in the negative. Even though he'll win the league, he will almost be a negative. And I think, uh, I think he'll have something like six to eight games and if if they haven't done particularly well in those first six to eight league games, he will probably be on his way. Right, rightly or wrongly, I think he'll be on his way. I would agree with you. I would agree with that. And I look forward to the Heart of Midlothian podcast when whenever it comes. There's certainly enough JTs to go around to to talk about it. Um, but we're supposed to be. I, I thought we'd have this wrapped up in an hour. We've been talking for about forty one minutes. We've still got two championship matches to talk about. <laughs> United one, Wraith Rovers one, Sean. You know something? Not a lot to discuss about this. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think a one-all draw was probably the, the correct result. I think Wraith Rovers are Wraith Rovers are a, a very, very strange team. So the we start the season like a like like a runaway train, knocking uh, mm-hmm. four, five past teams. It was it was great to watch. That that hasn't been sustained, and I, I think it was interesting. So we lost Ethan Ross to Aberdeen. He was a, a hugely important uh, kind of wide player in that first part of the season. I, I was, uh, I wasn't concerned about the signing, but when, when I watched highlights of him on Y Scout, he it was obvious that he had the ability to beat a man. But his crosses were really deep. The amount of crosses that he was saying right over everybody and out for a throw-in. I was like, all oh, right, we'll see how this goes. And to start, where it was like that, and then he really seemed to kind of. Uh, can he get his eye in in terms of his crosses and his ability to beat a man, got a shot and goal. And I think we've missed him. And as much as I have enjoyed watching Kai Kennedy, who's who's his replacement, he probably hasn't, and I think his final ball probably hasn't been as good as Ethan Ross and he hasn't yeah. been as productive as Ethan Ross. But in his defence, I think teams are more aware of, of Kai Kennedy and I think they've probably doubled up on him. Mm-hmm. Daniel Armstrong on the other side, has had a dip in form and we've we've struggled to to trouble teams. And I think you watch Wraith Rovers and they can they play good football, right? From the back to the middle. They can play possession football and it goes sideways and backwards and forwards and sideways and backwards and forwards. And you can play 15 passes and it's taken 70 seconds. And then you get to the, the opponent's final third, but the opponents now have eight players behind the ball. And how you then get in behind those eight players 
it is difficult. So they do things. It, it's nice to watch. It's pleasant, but it's quite ponderous and it's quite slow. And they don't have that kind of switch and pace. So they kind of do things slowly and then hit them yeah. at pace. And in terms of forwards, so they have uh, Gotsu Ugu. Gotsu started his Wraith career. He, he was injured and he came into the team and he scored a back heel at Tynecastle. Yeah. And I, I immediately decided that he was absolutely fantastic. And it transpires that, that maybe, maybe he isn't. M- maybe he's just... Mediocre. Uh, Mane Duku started the season on uh, really impressively. He has 10, 10 goals to his credit. I, I don't think he scored since about October or November. Kind of feels like there's been some kind of fallout there. I, I don't know. He, he's absolutely dropped out of starting 11. And then Timmy Abraham has been brought in on loan from Fulham. Uh, Tammy Abraham, uh, his brother. He Are they brothers? Yes. All oh, right, I just thought that was a joke because Timmy and Tammy. No, no, but that's no, like no. Uh, in Rugrats, Phil and Lil. That was the, sort of the name of the twins, and and that so similar. Uh, absolutely terrible, like that. Terrible names. Like what? Tammy's quite a cool name. Timmy, um, Timmy will be okay. Tammy will be okay. N- not together. I I think and I think in both cases it's actually part of their middle names. Ah, right. Names are huge. Like absolutely huge. I, I would. I, I don't know what they are off the top of my head, but there's a lot of letters involved in their names. And Timmy and, and Tammy is just part of their names, which are very large. Uh, that aside, I think Tammy Abraham will have a far better career than, than Timmy. Timmy uh, struggles with a, a first touch and his decision-making is erratic. If he was, let's say, do you remember like, do you remember Choose Your Own Adventure books? Yes. Uh, I, I get the impression that Timmy would always choose the most the most difficult route <laughs> and then have to start again. That that kind of sums up his Wraith Rovers career to date. Perhaps there's something there. Perhaps there's something to work with. I, I, I don't know. Uh, but Wraith Rovers, have, they've become quite quite frustrating over the last yeah. couple of months. Uh, and Air United, you know, some Air United under David Hopkin, and I don't think their pitch helps them. You know, they've, they've got quite, quite a bobbly park. Uh, it, it's a struggle to play football on. Again, it's an Air United team that has regressed. You, you can't, you can't lose as many good players as Air United have over the last couple of seasons and continue to to to, to, to try and get into the promotion playoffs. I do think they've got just about enough about them mm-hmm. to avoid the relegation playoffs. But but again, it's a it's a team that has has become poorer over the last season or two. And 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 again, guys like guys like Michael Michael Moffat, yes. He, he's an important player, but he, you know he's he's becoming older, yeah. and and certainly in, in the forward areas, a bit like Wraith Rovers, they, they don't have enough to trouble teams. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that, and I'd, I'd also, if anyone's interested in listening to more about Air United, Craig Cairns and Alistair Gemmell put together a really really interesting podcast about David Hopkins' time so far in charge of the club. Have you had a chance to listen to it yet? Not yet, no. No, it's very good. It's good. Good to hear Alistair Gemmell again, top guy, and uh, pleased to see him. Uh, I didn't didn't realise he was working for United. He does our social media now. I didn't know that either. No, so it's, it's good. Just interesting talking about uh, what Hopkins done. For instance, one of the things that Hopkins they've noticed Hopkins doing is that the goalkeeper isn't allowed to field the ball short anymore. Sinisalo just leathers it up the park. Possibly for the best. Definitely for the best. But, uh, but you know something you have, so like you can watch teams and it sometimes feels like, so you know how you can take a goal kick and pass it to a defender inside the box? It sometimes feels like 
teams do that just because they can do it now rather than because it is like the best option. Like sometimes they can just, or sometimes they'll they'll pass it to a centre half, and then he just leathers it upfield. It's, yeah, I was going to try to think if you if you're looking to play short football from the back, Aaron Muirhead would be very very far down the list in terms of centre halves <laughs> that I'd uh, want to give the ball to in my own six yard box. The final game in the championship, Sean, was Greenock Morton two Queen of the South nil. Morton certainly looking the part. Actually, Morton looked really quite handy uh, under Gus McPherson. I think that 2-1 scoreline is actually a bit flattering to Queen of the South. Judging by the highlights, certainly Queen of the South, that's her second defeat in a row. Their, their good form really ha- appears to have have, um, have come to an end uh, on, on the back of that. What are your thoughts? And uh, The thing I enjoyed most was Aidan Nesbitt scoring direct from a corner, but not swinging it in. I don't think I've ever seen this before. He just seemed to drill it. Like I, I don't know how you can drill a corner into a penalty area and it just goes straight in. I, I don't think I've ever seen that before. I, I presume it looked like it was a mistake from, from Rowan Ferguson in the Queen of South net, but uh, I, it certainly crossed the line, but certainly a, a very unusual goal. And I also enjoyed uh, Ayo Abelaye's strike from distance. Oh, yeah, it was very well taken. Uh, and I, I enjoyed the fact that he... and. It was. I felt like it was like an important gesture, and a, a, a brilliant gesture. He'd done the he done the Black Power salute. Yeah, celebrate his goal. But then, as he'd done it, about three of his teammates jumped on his back, and I got the impression that that, that like he, I don't know if he really. Won, I don't know if that was the time and place to jump on his back. He was trying to make an important statement, and then they were all jumped on his back. Uh, but in, in terms of Oblai, again, and and Queen of South, a player who at the start of the season. You wondered if this might have been a, a level that was too high for him, uh, albeit he was playing a totally different position at, at, at centre half. But that that central midfield position, he he has very uh-huh. much made his own. I've, 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 right. watched a, I've watched a lot of Obelai over the last couple of months, and I've been really really impressed mm-hmm. by him. Next to next to Gibson, probably I think he's been the best player that, that I've seen. He came, he started off at centre back. It was him and Gregory Buchanan that were playing at centre back, but injuries necessitated uh, Alan Johnson to do a bit of business in January. There was there was issues in central midfield with uh, guys. I think Reese McCabe, Dan Pybus, Joe McKee, they were all out for a period of time. So Reese Breen, who had previously been at Partick Thistle and loan from Rangers was then recalled and sent to Queen of the South. He plays in the middle of Buchanan and Iobelai just sits in front of the defence and so good, so good at that. You know what I mean? First, you've got to say, like, I, I, it's an easy thing to say when you talk about players of that size, but I mean, he is very, very, he's a presence. You know, very, every t- but every time I see him, he it, it feels like he's, he's displaying an, an attribute that I didn't know that he had previously. Oh, so I, I I watched them at, so when Queen of South went on that brilliant run, it started at Starts Park and Raythrow has had so many crosses into the box and he cut every single one of them out. He, like, he, like his heading ability was great. Cut everything out. I was right, you, you are excellent in the air and you've got good anticipation and you know where you need to be. Then he moved into Miller Park and you realised that he had great anticipation yeah. and he was an excellent tackler. And then yeah. on Saturday, it, it appeared they can they can strike a ball for distance and they might even have an eye for goal as well. Every time I watch him, there's something else added to his game. I know you talk about an eye for goal. I'm sure he's actually like the second top scorer in the championship. I, I think I think the rest have been penalties. penalties. I mean, penalties and, and headers, but really, really impressed by what I've seen from him. However, 
eye-obelized goal aside, I mean, Queen of the South were, were really poor. And I think that you could really tell that from Gary Oliver's goal, just quite, I mean, it was very well-taking goal, but poor defending from um, from, from, from the Dunhamers and allowed them in. And I, can re- I really think that this is Queen of the South's Top, I think it was perhaps a bit wishful thing, a bit optimistic that, that perhaps even the more excitable element and a supporter thinking, oh, we can get into the, the, the top four. I don't think that was ever likely to happen with this with this squad, particularly with uh, I mean, yes, we spoke at the start of the season that this team looked like it was a bit of a mess. Part of that might have been that we didn't know some of the signings that they brought in. So we didn't know a lot about Ayo Abelaye, for example. But Willie like- Gibson... Willie Gibson playing at fullback. Willie Gibson, we thought we'd have been a bad sign. So to be fair, part of that was based on our poor judgment, <laughs> our terrible judgment. Uh, but again, as I said earlier, I think there's a bit of fag paper between all the teams. So I I, I still think Queen of South have got a, a, a decent chance. I think guys like uh, Dapo Mabudi that they brought yeah. in, I, I don't know what's happening in terms of the Monopoly party. Like, is that still? Oh, that, I think that's next week. Sean will find oh, out, it? or if it might be this, might be tomorrow, might might be next week. I'm sure it's the end of the month. We'll find out. Um, him and the Nathan Patterson and, and some of the other uh, Rangers young players, Roughly players. But but like Mabudi's looked excellent since since he's coming in. So uh, again, if they can keep him, then I, I think they've got a decent chance. I think one of the things to say as well when you talk about like exciting young players like Dapo Mabudi, I think I don't think Stephen Dobby had a particularly effective performance when he came on. He actually replaced Mabudi uh, with 22 minutes to go, and I mean it doesn't really help when you're getting like neck high balls launched at you. But I think he had a, a difficult performance. I think we're sort of it's, it's a bit of a sad thing to say. I think we're beginning to see the end of, of Stephen Dobby. Ah, I mean I, I think so. I, I thought that. Uh... I can't remember what season it was now, when they played Wraith Rovers in the relegation. So they were in the relegation playoffs and, and Wraith Rovers had got to the final of the yeah. promotion playoffs. What was that? 1819. 1920, whatever season that was. Uh, I, I thought at that point he'd had, maybe it had one, kind of one injury too many. He, he looked like there was, there was, he, he just lost a, a, a fraction of, of the player that, that he was. He didn't start the next season too well. And, and again, he's been troubled with, with injuries this season. And for a player of his age, it, aye, it, we might be seeing the uh, the conclusion of his uh, glittering career. Yeah. Anything to say about Greenock Morton? I mean, that's, I certainly think that, that David, uh, Gus McPherson seems to have a, had a positive impact um, on them because like, I think he's he's getting rid of some of the dead wood. You can already see like guys like Rabin Omar and James Morrison have been sent out on loan to Dumbarton. That's happened earlier today. And and I think that he seems to be streamlining um, the, David, the, the, the squad he inherited from, from David Hopkirk. And I know he said something along the lines of they had far too big a squad. Yeah. Uh, did, like that's, so I think he said they had 27 players. I still don't know if they have two goalkeepers. Like, if they still look, <laughs> if they still only got one goalkeeper, I'm not entirely sure. I, I suppose that is a, an indictment of, uh, of of what Hopkin of what Hopkin brought in at the start of the season. In terms of what I think about Morton, I still don't think they have a great squad. If, if McPherson can can get a few results between now and the end of the season, I would. I, I still think they'll probably finish eighth, and I still expect. And I know I say this every season, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm found to be slivering. I, I still think it'll be the part-time teams that finish ninth and tenth with Arbroath and Allo in that order. Well, reading, uh, going by the comments in Pine Bovril, he did move uh, Morton to a back three, and apparently Sean McGinty looked quite comfortable. So I think that McPherson deserves a lot of credit for. Does that seem more about Gus McPherson or Queen of South? <laughs> 
Okay, Sean, that's just we're an hour into this podcast and we've got two more divisions to cover. <laughs> Bear in mind, there's a Scotland game tonight. Right, the Scotland game is kicking off in 80 minutes, so if we can get it wrapped up by then, we're, 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 on, we're on fire. In League One, the, the featured match is Clyde 1, East 5-3, and judging by the highlights for that, East 5 looked absolutely superb. Some of the goals were, were supremely well taken, some of the build-up play was excellent, and I was thoroughly impressed by what, what I saw. Uh, I'm just going to bring up the scorers just now, I like to do a little introduction. Certainly the second goal, it was scored by my close... No, we don't need to talk about that because aye, the goals were scored by their turning Nathan Austin, who has uh, rejoined the club on loan from Kelty Hearts while the loan league's in shutdown. Danny Denham scored 10 minutes after the interval with a, a, the, the looping, the loopiest of looping headers before Ryan Wallace, a, a, another, actually, this was a great goal, Ryan Wallace's goal on 68 minutes with uh, David Goodwillie uh, popping up with a consolation at the end. We'll start, there's, there's quite a lot to talk about. Very, very impressive performance from East Fife here. But I suppose the, the, the best place to start is with uh, the returning Nathan Austin. I, I, see in terms of Clyde and East Fife, I think these are two teams that are going in very, very opposite directions. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, I, in terms of East Fife, during the week they were so, so last week on a view for terrace i fancied east five for, for my banker uh I, I i think i think they've got a really good squad i, th- I think i think they've given themselves far too much to do I, I think they started the season poorly i think they start i can't remember what their first three fixtures were it was definitely cove rangers away and they may have had falkirk and then they may have had maybe Partick, something like that. It was a very difficult run of fixtures. Aye, it was uh, the, 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 for the first game, Sean, it was Cove Rangers East 5, uh, sorry, Cove Rangers Montrose and Falkirk. Right, okay. And, a, you know, a, a difficult run. And were, if I remember correctly, they were the better team against uh, Montrose in that second game. should have won and, and ended up drawing 2-2 or something like that. But it was a poor start to the season. They've, they've, they've got two games in hand over Falkirk. If they win those games, they go two points behind them. I, I still think that's too much to do. But what I would say is, uh, Dan Young's kind of tenure at East Fife they go on brilliant runs and then they go on poor runs and we had Sean Dillon on A View for Terrace last week and he said that the Montrose players have been discussing the fact that the, the League One season is, is now a sprint so generally you talk about it's not a sprint it's a marathon but it is now literally a sprint and if Montrose as Sean Dillon described it if Montrose can hit the ground running and go on a good run, then they could win the league. And nobody in League One, so the teams that you that, that probably wanted to do that and had discussed that, a lot of them didn't do it. So Montrose lost to Falkirk. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick Thistle, who had a game in hand over Falkirk, drew with Cove. Uh, Airdrie lost to Peterhead. And East Fife, who were sitting six, they were the team that managed it along with, along with Falkirk. If East Fife can go on a good run, I I would expect them probably to finish second in this league. And Nathan Austin, I feel like is a is a massive signing for them, and he will make a big difference in terms of in terms of where they finish in the table. He is a a prolific goal scorer, a, a phenomenal finisher, and a player who I I, I know he's been in the championship and and didn't it didn't necessarily go so well in the championship, but in terms of lower leagues, he is a a, a fantastic goal scorer. I definitely. I was, I'm, I'm glad you, you mentioned the word finishing there because when when that ball's clipped over to him, the, he does something with his I, he does something with his body, and I'm sure it puts David Mitchell off. Like like just it's a wee shimmy or something. It's a wee drop of the shoulder, and it just gives David Mitchell. Uh, 
puts a bit of doubt in him. He does something because he thinks Austin's going in a certain way and, and, and Austin finishes there and he had a couple of chances in the match and you can see, I think already, I mean, it's been one game, you can see there's chemistry between him and Ryan Wallace and attack some of the movement some of the interplay between them particularly with, with the wide players like you saw like Pat Slattery was was overlapping on the, on the right like Liam Watt on one wing Danny Denner on the other I think I, I liked what I saw there and I think that this is a team that are I don't know how long he's going to be there for of course until because I think I'm sure that all these guys who are, who are on loan all these guys from the Lowland League Highland League West of Scotland League etc will have something written in their contract saying that as soon as their leagues resume they can be recalled so don't know how long Nathan Austin is going to be there, but already he looks like one of the, I think between him and Kyle Turner. So although Turner caught a red card in his debut, <laughs> but on paper, on paper, prior to the weekend, prior to the weekend, Austin and Turner look like the two best signings in that division. And you've seen that already with Austin. Yeah, I think so. I mean, bear in mind, he scored 37 goals for Kelty last season. And I, I know there is uh, an argument that if you score, the scoring goals in the Lowland League, it's, it's like dog years. So you need to score about seven for it to for it to really equate to about one in, in the SPFL. But you you look at East Fife squad, like Ross Dunlop was on the bench, Kevin Smith was on the bench, uh Danny Swanson was on the bench. They have they've probably got a decent squad of players. Like yeah. that and it was interesting. They played I can't remember if it was the last game before the before the shutdown, but they played Falkirk. Uh, either the last game or the second last game, and they 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 beat Falkirk 2-1. And they, they, look, they looked far better on the day. They looked far better than Falkirk. And I know that doesn't mean that they're a better team than Falkirk. But if East Fife can go in a run, I would I would expect them to be in the playoffs. And not just that, I would expect them to be uh, one of the teams that would be likelier to win the playoffs, would be, would be my uh, kind of take on it. Certainly after watching that performance on the weekend, I, I wouldn't necessarily d- disagree with you. I think that we've talked about Austin's goal. I'd like to talk about the other two goals. The, the, the one we call Danny Denham's header, the loopiest of loopy headers. And it's a deep cross that swung into the area. And you know something I actually, like having watched a lot of Danny Denham's games, I actually think this was a 100% an accident. He didn't direct the header. Before. <laughs> the ball just hit off him really hard and went in. <laughs> It's, he's sort of, sort of allows the thing to hit off his head and it loops it loops I, I don't know if David Mitchell could have done better here but it loops over David Mitchell and there's somebody covering the post and, and goes into the net from there but even better than that was, uh, was uh, the, well, uh, I'm, I'm going to say something about that because it, there wasn't an accident he leaped like he had a massive leap I mean he knew exactly what he was doing and that's where he wanted to that's where he wanted to place it what I would say is I think where he got a bit of luck was there was a defender on the post, and although I'm not sure he would have got it, when David Mitchell dies for it, he got a hand to it. And if anything, his flick took it away from the defender on the line. So I would say that he got a a, a semblance of uh, luck there, but they like, he knew what he was doing. That's 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 your opinion. That's that, that's that, that's. <laughs> That, 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 that's up to you. I think he let the ball hit off him. He was he was more he was the most surprised person in Broadwood when that ball went into the back of the net. He, he was about three and a half foot in the air as the ball struck his forehead. I'm fairly certain he knew what he was doing. I didn't have a clue what he was doing there. He just he, he's just in the box. He just he knows that that that's people are supposed to jump when a corner kick comes in. So he was just he was just trying that out. But even better was it was was Ryan Wallace's goal. I mean, it's a brilliant run through the middle of the pitch by Pat Slattery. The ball goes to, to Denham. Denham puts it out to, I think it's Liam Watt, it goes out to on the right, and then it's uh, tossed in for, for Wallace. And the header's really good because the way he's going, you think he's going to head it like back from, from whence it came, well, certainly in that sort of direction, but he flicks it 
and it, uh, it fills Mitchell and goes into the so It's a great goal. And, and Ryan Wallace is a player who I just since he from from his time at our broth onwards, just think he's a he's a smashing player and a, a really good lower league striker. He looks heavy, you know. Something I, no, that, you're, you're right, he does. You're he right, looks he does. like he's a couple of pounds overweight, but I actually just think he's just stocky. I mean, there's there's times in that match where you saw him just wriggling past people, boys bouncing off him. Like I just think he's he's got that way. Like I'm, I'm sure there was an interview watched with John McGinn talking about Aston Villa, and he said like Jack, I've got a labourer's body. Jack Grealish has got a body for the beach. And I suppose maybe that's it with Ryan Wallace. He has a labourer's body, you know, and that that's why he's, he, he's so good at that. But what about uh, what about Clyde, Sean? Because this this team, I'm not sure about Danny Lennon's recruitment. If I'm going to be honest, I look through mm. this Clyde team, and it's a lot. Of, I mean, there's a couple of well-established names. You've got guys like. David Mitchell, good goal, as good a goalkeeper as you're probably going to get for Clyde. Um, Tom Lang, who'll be joining Wraith Rovers. David Goodwillie, of course, a fabulous striker. But the rest of the team really seems to be fleshed out by young boys they've taken on loan from, from St Mirren and, and Rangers. And I think these guys are, given how many games Clyde have got at the moment, these guys are going to be really thrown in at the deep end. Do, do you remember when, do you remember Daniel Lennon was the Aloha manager? And there was a suggestion that during the summer, he had quite a big holiday. And then when he came back, he kind of left it too late in the window to sign enough quality for Alawa to survive in, in the second tier. And that there was certainly question marks at that point about his his recruitment policy in general for, for that, that over that summer for Alawa. And I, I think they went down that season. I can't, I can't remember. I'm sure they did. Uh, yes. But there are question marks again about his recruitment for this Clyde team, and you know, so it might be, it might be to do with budgets. I, I, I don't know. Maybe in terms of the the pond that he's in, that that's just as good as it can do. And I, I don't think it'd be fair to Clyde. say. And the off, off field stuff at Clyde with a former director. I would. I, I don't know if it'd be fair to say they're a one man team in terms of David Goodwillie, but there was a point where. Oh yeah, I know that you're talking about. He gets Goodwillie made his way down the left, and then it was a perfect pass to to Mark Clement. And it was just a lot of first time. And he actually, like, there was no bobble, but he just he missed the ball altogether. I and you if, if you're David Goodwiller, you must be thinking, this is kind of what I'm up against here. And actually, Clyde's goal, Clyde's goal was, it was like he just went, right, I'm just uh-huh. going to do everything myself here. So he got the ball on the right, he cut inside, and then he just lashed the shot in. And it was like he went, right, well, that's the only way we're going to achieve success here. There was a bit in the first half, I'm sure. I'm not sure who it was, but takes the ball down the left, and Goodwiller makes a run to the front post. And that's that's the point when he makes he makes that dart forward. You're expecting the ball just to come across, and it'd be for for Goodwillie six yards out. You imagine that's going to end in a goal, but the guy uh, may have been Lamont. I'm not sure, but he delays and then tries to cross. And Goodwillie's like sort of jumps and does that that sort of like that exasperated thing where you here's my feet. <laughs> That's, that's when I wanted it. Actually, watching the highlights back, that when I was watching the highlights earlier today, I was actually saying. Put it now, but he takes an extra touch, and by that point, Goodwillie, the, the 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 run, the move's gone. Goodwillie's taken himself out of the game. He needed that ball in earlier so he could finish, and it's uh, it's taken out of the game. But I would say when you when you look at the, the the bottom of League One, you would fancy Clyde, maybe the favourites to to go down. Uh, I'm not so sure that I think. I think maybe I think it's between them and Dumbarton. I, I think Forfar have, have probably brought in a couple of guys that, that might just be enough to, to get them out of it. Although although, although watching Dumbarton Forfar's highlights, they 
the bat might have been a better team. I, I don't know, uh, but I, I, I suspect Forfra might just sneak their way out of it. Okay, well, that's that's a pretty good uh, segue into then Dumbarton nil four for Athletic one. This is the m- most people have seen the goal that that was uh, scored. It was uh, credited as a Ryan McGeever own goal, but really, it's all credit goes to Sam Ramsbottom who leathered the ball off the defender's backside and sent it trickling over the line. You know, a, a dreadful goal to lose at any level, but this is this is a distillation of um, of, of lower league Scottish football. Can, can you, Sean, offer any other explanation as to what happened here? Uh, my only explanation is that I don't think Sam's with, with the greatest with the greatest respect in the world I don't think Sam Ramsbottom is a particularly good goalkeeper and I was surprised to find an article on Dumbarton's website that stated uh, so I, I don't know it word for word uh, but it said that the the COVID pandemic had did have one advantage to oh. Dumbarton it said it, and it wasn't to do with the the the, the, the lockdown it wasn't to do with no fans or long periods of time uh, without games. However, if it hadn't been for the, the lockdown, they would not have been able to sign Sam Ramsbottom. And then literally on his debut, he did that. It's like there's a, I'm sure there's a, a Twitter account called, um, it's a, a series of things that precede uh, unfortunate events. <laughs> and you could just use that that um, that, that interview. I'm sure that, again, going back to Pine Bovril, Morton fans, if a, if a player doesn't do well for, for Capolo, Morton fans are very quick to let other supporters know that this player didn't do well in Capolo. So Dumbarton fans were well warned, you know, that, that, uh, that Ramsbottom had him in him. But other than that match, I mean, that's, that's an inexplicable gaffe. And, and to be fair, Dumbarton have rectified that because they beat Huntley comfortably in the Scottish Cup uh, on, on Tuesday night. But this is, this is just like a really shite game of football. Like, there's no other way to say it. You know, it just looked like, like really shite between two not very good sides. I, I, I don't know if you see, but when I watched the highlights, it just looked like there was two, like two long puddles in the middle of the park. And I was like, "Well, that, that can't be puddles." You know something? Actually, funny you should say that. There was, I'm sure, I saw it on Twitter. There was somebody had taken it's like drone footage of the rock, and it looks amazing. You know, like it's that that big backdrop of the rock. Backdrop's amazing. The the sort of the 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 the, the sea, the, the body of water behind it looks fantastic. The pitch looks fucking shit. <laughs> So it's like, see if someone offered that, if I was a Dumbarton fan and somebody offered me this as a canvas, I'd be like, aye, can you go back in the summer when the pitch looks half decent? Because it looks it looks all that brown sort of, sort of way. It just look, it really, really doesn't look nice at all. I did, uh, I did enjoy the commentary, so the, the, the back commentary. So because Ramsbottom had, had done something inexplicable just before that, he had... Not, not just, not, but literally seconds before... Yeah. So, so he passed the ball out to his, I think it was a centre-half, who had a, a forfeit attacker right next to him. Uh, so he'd almost cost the team a goal at that point, and then he obviously ended up in, in possession of the ball immediately thereafter. And it was a commentator that said, oh, you know something, you know, we, we all just need to take a breath here. We all, just, <laughs> we all just need to calm down, calm down, just take a breath, and everything will be fine. And I, I think within about five seconds, the ball was in the back of their neck. <laughs> Either they're not a good side, Dumbarton. There's a there's a there's a smattering of quality here and there. You know, you've got a guy like Ross Forbes. If you can build a team around him, 
he's the sort of guy that can make things happen out of nothing. But I'm not sure if like pairing with Stuart Carswell and that Weatherburn in the middle of the park is most effective. That seems to me very stodgy. It's a small squad. They're low in numbers, albeit they have signed James Morrison and, and Rabin Omar and from, from Greenock Morton. So they have bulked up the numbers, if anything. And they signed Connor Duffy as well. He was in trial. He's previously at Stenhouse Muir. He'd been out of the game for, for two years. Um, for 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 reasons that I don't think it's appropriate for us to go into here, uh, but I I, I don't I don't like the, the look of them. But just, and again, that, that 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 says a lot about Jim Duffy. Jim Duffy always inexplicably and very frustratingly always uses uh, always seems to do his transfer business right at the end of the window, whether it's a, a summer window or a, a winter window. He never seems to sign anybody for the first three, four, five weeks of it. And then there's all of his business at the very last minute. Why that is, I've no idea why Why he thinks that's a good thing. And, and it's not as if he just does it at Dumbarton. He's done it at every club that he's been at. And it's like, well, why Why would you do that? Because probably the best players are, are already elsewhere. They've already signed for clubs. And it's, if I was if I was a supporter of a, of a team that was managed by Jim Duffy, I would be infuriated by it. I think I'd be infuriated by it as well. Like to come to this stage, I think uh, it must be difficult because a lot of these the players, the team, sorry, the teams at part time level. Do uh, you talking like from the championship all the way down to League Two? You will be in the market for the same players. You will be going to to Rangers and 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 for instance, because Rangers means you go on their Wikipedia page and look at their academy. There must be about I would say at the very least about twenty players. More, more than least, that, I think, maybe, I think I've got almost thirty players out on loan. Maybe even thirty players that that, that Rangers have, have have put out on loan. So you'll be going to Rangers and saying, "We need uh, we need a couple of midfielders. Who 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 can you who can you give us?" And you've no idea if these guys are going to be very good. So for for the guys like James Maxwell or um, Ben Williamson, our broth. Yep. You know, you've you've no yeah. idea if, if if these guys are is, are are going to be very good. So I do have a degree of sympathy for it, particularly if you don't have a lot. Be the same like Dumbarton will be in the same um, position as as Clyde trying to sign players. So you but, talk but about you it. Get, I've no doubt that Danny Lennon and Jim Duffy will be experiencing the same issues. But but you get the impression that so, so Jim Duffy. I always think that Jim Duffy comes across as if he would have a lot of contacts in the game. But it, it, it kind of feels like from his transfer dealings that maybe maybe he doesn't. Is it? Hi there, it's Jim. Jim Duffy, the football manager of Dumbarton in, in Scottish League One. Play at the Rock. Yes, that Jim Duffy. Yes. Anyway, do you have any players? Oh, you don't. Right. Sorry to have bothered you. Right, very frustrating. That's that's how all these conversations go. Very right, so then, then Jim Duffy, that's he goes up and he says Aberdeen puts up, he just scores off Aberdeen and on to Celtic next. <laughs> and that's it, he phones up the front desk as well. <laughs> that's why it takes him so long. He's trying to he's trying to describe who he is. I just phones up the front desk. It was like a little reception. I just Celtic, yeah. I want to put can you put me in charge of somebody who can give me players? <laughs> That's it. And then Jim Duffy, that's it. So Celtic, I've got nobody on the next. Dundee United. Right? He's got his old phones as well. I'm doing the impression of him. He's got the phone. It's like, well, you've got to put your finger in and dial round. 
Oh dear, oh dear. The next game up, Sean, is I think this is quite a straightforward one. Falkirk two, Montrose nil. Judging by the highlights of that, I thought Falkirk were the better side and created a lot of the chances. Um, I think the, the sucker punch, Callum Morrison scoring at the end to put the result beyond doubt. But again, reading on Pie and Bovril, Falkirk fans were really not happy with this performance. They, they thought Falkirk were really crap. So it just goes to show you that the, the highlights might present one picture but then the, the commentary from fans might say something completely different. So, so I'd read about the game uh, beforehand, and then I, I don't think the highlights lasted particularly long. And, no. and, and, and Falkirk don't always have really long highlights, but they're generally longer than that. So I, I, I did wonder if they struggled to get uh, an, an abundance of goal mouth incidents from the game. I, I did think it was quite funny that the because Callum Morrison scored in the last minute. Mm-hmm. And uh, as they, as they broke away, and the commentator was saying, "Well, take it to the corner, take it to the corner, <laughs> waste time getting the thing." And then obviously, they, they, I think it might have been Blair Olsen that, that that took it took it for a run. Dowds, I was sure it was Dowds, and he, they played Morrison. And but I, I think I, I, maybe I've just been wanting somebody to, to challenge Falkirk this season. But I think that was a I think that was a key result for them because yeah, I yeah. speak to Sean Dillon the week before. It sounded like Montrose thought they could probably get something for the game, mm-hmm. uh, and I, as much as Falkirk fans, weren't that impressed by 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 the Bairns. Judging by the highlights, they looked not head and shoulders, but they looked a level above Montrose. Uh, I think that I, th- I think this is similar to what Hart and Midlothian fans might be experiencing. And it's excuse me, I know it's a different set of circumstances that Hearts are relative to the Championship a much bigger club than Falkirk are to. Uh, to, to League One but I think that this season for Falkirk is just a case of getting out of the division and I think it's sort of by hook or by crook and I, th- I don't think if you look at me for instance at central midfield like Morgaro Gomez is probably the best in that division just sitting in front of the back four and just taking the ball and keeping possession recycling but then Blair Olsen's quite good at doing that as well and so there's not a lot of, of creativity in the middle of the park and I think that Callum Morrison, a lot rests on Callum Morrison's shoulders. Like if he doesn't play well, then then Falkirk don't necessarily play well. I know we joked when we saw the Falkirk lineup going into the the match against our broth that, that that looked like a really poor Falkirk side. That then and Morrison would probably be brought on after about twenty minutes. He was. It turns out he wasn't, and 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 Falkirk until he beat the Championship side two one. But I think this season from Falkirk. All you're just going to get is just fairly stodgy, unimaginative performances where they do win by one, maybe two goals if you're lucky. And 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 you know, so that, that's going to be enough. And and I, it's not going to be exciting, and it will be a slog. And as and I, I'm not saying that. So I folk at fan folk at a team that you expect to to, to find in in the third tier. No. but from from a Rovers fan, from a Rovers perspective, who have been occasionally a yo-yo team between the championship and, and League One. It sometimes can be quite hard to 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 get excited about League One fixtures because, uh, yes. So so let's say so Wraith Rovers versus Air. You know they they were big games with a decent atmosphere. Even Wraith Rovers Arbroath when it was a two well they weren't the two going for the title. Arbroath won it by a mile, but like Arbroath won they bring in a big support to Starts Park for example, and then when you're at home to, I don't know when you're at home to Queens Park or you're at home to Montrose or. Peterhead. Clyde, for example, they, they aren't bringing big supports and a lot of the time they're just sitting in and the quality isn't that good. So even when you are winning games 2-0 or 2-1 or 3-1, you're going home and it's like, 
right, well, that was job done. But but did I necessarily enjoy my afternoon? No, really, because it, it just feel even even if when you even when you take all three points, it, it feels like quite a flat experience, I suppose. Mm-hmm. No, I, I I would agree with that. There, you can see in reading the Falkirk threads and Pine Bovel, a lot of them are just like, let's just get out of this division. You can't you can't be there to enjoy it, and you're you're, you're paying for your stream. I'd say that was you know some. It was actually quite good to on the Sunday morning to watch the Falkirk highlights. We joked right at the start saying it's great to watch them when when they lose, but listen to Lewis Connolly's voice as he as he talks through the action. I was like. This is nice, you know. This this is actually this is nice. I feel like I'm in a a, a safe place here, just like Lewis, Lewis. calling ASMR. Lewis, it's good to have you back. You, know, it was, it was. It's like there, there's things that you've missed. You've missed. That's one of the good things about the Sundays is just when you see the, the match highlights going up and you can watch. You can sit in your bed and you can watch about eight or nine. You can spend a couple hours. You can have your breakfast in bed, a cup of coffee, and you can just watch match highlights and get a feel for the game. And you're reading the threads in Pine Bovril to, to to get an idea as to, to to how the games are going on. That's that's nice and that's something I'm missing. And yes, I although Falkirk were a bit further down the list because of their positive result. Nevertheless, it was uh, it was good to good to have you back, Lewis. Um, a team who won't be happy to come back is Partick Thistle. A huge missed opportunity to make inroads into the playoffs when uh, Joe Cardle's 70th minute strike was cancelled out by Mitch Meganson as Thistle drew 1-1 with Cove Rangers. Ian McCall's in a bit of bother? Uh, a, a wee bit and I mean I, I'm, I've always been quite a, a Joe Cardle fanboy and, and I know that there's not a lot of Dun, non-Dunfermline fans that say that they're a Joe Cardle fanboy but I I am. I, I like them at Wraith Rovers and I, I've been an admirer of, of them uh, in general. I, I thought he got a wee bit lucky with his goal. Uh, he kind of he done he done good work to, to get into a, a shooting position. His his finish at the near post probably should have been gathered by by Stuart McKenzie, and at that point, Patrick probably deserved the lead. Just about it, it was a fairly again certainly first half a, a, a poor game. Second half was a wee bit more exciting, and Patrick just about deserved the lead at that point. In terms of Cove Rangers equaliser, there was a, a multitude of things went wrong uh, in, in the build up. Partick might have had three opportunities, I suppose, to, to clear it. That said, as you would expect from Mitch Megginson, a, a really, really good finish. He kind of swept it into the in, in, into the far corner. And and you know something, fair play to Cove Rangers. I, I I thought they would have done well this season, as in they would have been challenging for the playoffs. Uh, they they wouldn't have been far away from the playoffs. The fact that they aren't far away for, for Falkirk at the top of the table, uh, I, I didn't expect that at all. And I know we spoke about them last season in terms of their attacking prowess, uh, and in terms of we spoke about them having a Highland League defence. Oh, don't that guy will tweet you again. Oh, I, you I know, that. I know. And <laughs> but, but but to be fair, you know, so when both he and and we were correct, they do have a Highland League defence. But if it, because these guys have been with them since the Highland League days, yeah. but they seem they seem fairly decent at, at yeah. the back as well, and. And I know again somebody like Paul Hartley, whose uh, career has taken a few dunts, but he seems again he seems to have a, an, a, an upward trajectory. And I, I'm not saying Cove will get promoted this season, but they seem to be going on. They look like a part-time team that, that that's on the up. I think uh, uh, Paul Hartley's time uh, and as a manager at part-time football has, has been hugely successful. You know, taking Aloha from the third division. Into like into the it would have been the championship. I would have been the championship. Taking them into taking them in the championship and stabilising them because that's when you think of Aloha now. You you, you think of them as a championship club. I know they were relegated and then promoted, but when I think of Aloha, I, I, Aloha to me 
are a championship club. And that's on the back of um, the, 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 what Paul Hartley did there. And I know that he's had a, bit, a fair bit of money to spend on, on, on his players. But I think when you get Paul Hartley in, and if you do give him money to spend, this money spent wisely. You know, he, he does foster good sides. He does make them difficult to beat. He can make them exciting. Occasionally, well, certainly last season when they were smashing up teams, he can make them exciting to watch. And on top of that, you've got the guy that does the Cove Rangers uh, match reports, who regardless, <laughs> Cove Rangers could lose 8-0 to a kiddies side. And, and this guy could spin it to make it look as though Cove Rangers are the most hard done by side in the in the entire world. So uh, it's good good to see. Like I know Paul Hartley's a sort of character that, that divides opinion, but professionally at least, I like guys who have, you, you know, as a, as a story, guys who have taken, you say, dunce, and have been able to bounce back from them. So fair play. To I, I, I do think, I, I think he must be very good at, and he, he obviously done it at Aloha, and he's doing it again at, at, at Cove, where he can. So his career, as it, certainly as a player, has been played out at the top end of Scottish football. And I think he is very good at going into teams at the bottom end of the pyramid and establishing things that are that he can turn around. So things that he can improve. Yeah. And and I think it's easy to go into a team in League Two and say, well, that needs to be better and that should be better and that should be better. But you can't actually fix them all. But mm-hmm. it feels like that he is good and, and working out what is within his remit and what is within his power of improving. And whether it's just making things slightly more professional in, 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 certain, uh, in certain scenarios, I'm not sure, but he has... It looks like it's a wee bit of a Midas touch, certainly in terms of the the bottom two tiers and and, and improving teams and, and taking them forward. Whether yes. he can do the same thing, I think it's it's harder to to, to improve professionalism the further up the pyramid you go. Mm-hmm. Certainly, uh, Aloe and Covey is is proven that he can he can very much take them forward. Hi, here's some. I think the players who were with him at Aloe, particularly the guys who were with him during the journey in the third division, they, they they rave about him. I've done podcasts with guys that, that played in this team. And they just talk about the 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 standards that like signing really good players and the standards they demanded from each other. Paul Hartley set his standards, but the players that he brought into the club would demand other standards as well. So so everything training. Uh, uh, professionalism was it was it was incredibly high, and he brought in stuff. Do you remember like the the, the wheelie bins, the ice baths? Yep. You would see them. You, I, I hadn't seen them at part time football before until you go to a game at the Rex, and there's guys out of the full time whistle up to their waists in wheelie bins full of ice. Like he would have his players out before before half time. He would have his players out doing a wee uh, doing wee drills just to g them up for the for, for the next half. And you hadn't you didn't really see. Other teams doing that. I think I'm. I, I think that's a bit more commonplace now. But but he didn't. He didn't, certainly didn't do that. But conversely, his time at uh, in full time football with Dundee, no Dundee ended acrimoniously, and Falkirk was just an absolute disaster. Like there's there's like being put together the worst Falkirk side in uh, of all time. Sacked, the, sacked two of the most popular players on Christmas Eve. <laughs> aye, so I. Didn't, uh, and I think that his man management, again, depending on who you talk to, his man management uh, wasn't wasn't very good. But certainly doing well at Cove Rangers, unlike Ian McCall, who's just not very good at all. No, no, he isn't. Finally, anything to say about Peterhead one Airjorians nil? We we touched on this match earlier when we mentioned um, Kyle Turner, who I think a lot of Diamonds fans were really keen to see, was sent off four minutes into the game for uh, scything down Ryan Conroy. 
um, before uh, Jordan Brown scored after 66 minutes to give the, the, the blue team leads in and much to say about this. Uh, other than, I, I don't know if it, like, did you watch this game on Diamonds TV or have you watched the highlights on Diamonds TV? Uh, have I watched? No, I'm just reading the scores off soccer base, Sean. I'm throwing them to you as the expert. I've, I don't fuck all about this. I've got names on a screen. So, so, so I watched the highlights on Diamonds TV. There was no, there was no way to, to, to fast forward or rewind the game. Oh, it's all very bad. So you could, you could play it or you could pause it, but it was also on Pixelot. So oh. they, the the coverage of Kyle Turner's challenge was it was really he kind of went in with his he kind of went in with his knee and his foot and he, it, it, I mean he very much mistimed it and I I think it wasn't a great image of it and then you missed the after although there was a ramming you missed the aftermath. However, I, I couldn't have then rewind it to watch it again, so I had to watch the entire highlights, then press play again. <laughs> Which is fine. I mean, I, I appreciate that's not the end of the world. Uh, I, I I wasn't sure a red card was a was a right decision. Watching the highlights thereafter, uh, it felt like a, a looked like a, a pretty evenly matched game. Ergy mm-hmm. uh, probably felt they still should have deserved the draw, and I, I think that red card it, it was a double whammy, and that it left them. Not only did it leave them with 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 ten men, it probably also withdrew their best player who would have affected the game if, if he'd stayed on the park. But again, it's another example of Airdrie were probably a team who thought, right, if we can start this, if we can start this restart, put together a good run, and, and this was this was a poor result for them because Peterhead, Peterhead aren't a good like, no, I, like a good I, team. And and now I, I don't know a lot of these Peterhead players. I was just about to say that I watched Peter Peter Ed played Stennis Moon in the Scottish Cup on Tuesday night. So I bought a I bought a stream for it and it was Pixelot. And and as we mentioned, that I think it's difficult at the best of times to try and form a connection with these players, but Pixelot is is just dreadful. And I think it's even worse, Sean, in lower leagues where you don't have stands that have got like a high vantage point. So see if every stand in the lower league was like the main stand at Easter Road. It'd be amazing. Because unless you get an idea of the part of the plane, you can see the far side. When the stand, if I can touch the top of the stand with my hand, then you know that it's going to be a really shallow depth. And if the ball goes over the far side, you're really, really going to struggle. But from, from a Peter Head, who had guys, Greg Fleming, Jamie Stevenson, um, like Simon Ferry, um, the, the, Mick, Mick Dunlop, Rory McAllister, Derek Lyle, guys who are all really recognisable lower league players. This current vintage, I'll be honest and say, I, I don't really know much about them. But I only recognised from, from Tuesday night a couple of their players. Um, like Scott Brown was playing. Um, like Jordan Brown was playing as well. But this really is, it's like a sort of odds and sods squad. That, um, and, and in fairness, that, that doesn't mean, like, they, they could still be good players. But like I, I hadn't heard of Naya Payne or... Hamish Ritchie, like I, I was lost, and and again from from the from the vantage point, it was difficult to establish how how good they were. But what I would say was that I think if I think if Airdrie kept eleven players on the park, and I, you know something to be honest, and I, I it, it's difficult to tell, but I, I thought Turner was a bit hard done by to, to get a red card. Then I, I do think that the result would have been different. Uh, but I had I, I kind of think I, I thought that was Airdrie's chance to really to really uh, press on. For a, for a top four spot and it might be a bit of a struggle for them now. The worst thing on Tuesday night as well was the commentary was about half a second faster than the actual picture. Uh, I have to turn when, it off at that point. When you see a cross, I tried to refresh it, but when you see a cross come in and it's like, you know that the goalkeeper saved it, then you're kind of like, ah, right, that's uh, that's that's nothing. Alawa's, uh, Alawa's commentary is quite bad for that. Alawa's feed's quite bad for that. 
it, as you say, it's about half a half a second to a second ahead. So I have to put it on silent, which, but then you kind of hear that, like, like part of like, like you want to hear the action, you want to hear the, you want to hear the thud, you want to hear the ball hitting the net, you want to hear the player shouting. So when you turn that down and like that, kind of detracts from it even more. Ah, it's rubbish. No, I agree with you. Speaking of rubbish coverage, let's go to Stenhouse Muir 2, Albion Rovers nil in League 2. These segues, Sean, they, it's like, uh, they're, they're all planned in advance. This match um, was uh, 2-0 to the Warriors, a header in the first half from Botti Biabi and a goal immediately at about 15 seconds after the second half kicked off from Martin Dreadful Wigan. defending. Dreadful. Gave the Warriors win. Sean, we'll turn this around. You can ask me questions about this match because I didn't just watch the feed for it. I was actually there for it. But I tell you what, my first I tell you what, my first question is: when I watched the highlights, bearing in mind you were doing co-commentary, presumably, <laughs> but why why is your voice nowhere to be heard on 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 the footage? Oh man, right where where the the station, so the the Pixelot camera is based at the opposite end of the the part. So basically, it faces faces the stand. So where the the, the hub for that is based, it is based in where the away team get changed. Now, because of coronavirus protocols, we've got to stand a fair distance away from the hub. However, the wireless mics that the club use, um, and if you stand a certain distance away from them, like a, like a, like a meter further further to one side, it doesn't pick up very well. So when I was speaking on the, on the feed, it sounded like I was underwater. There was an Albion Rovers fan who tweeted several times during the match, very frustrated with the coverage. It sounded like I was underwater. So Cammy McIntyre, the boy who does the, the league commentator and edits the highlights, basically had to, to redo them all, all himself. So that's why I'm no, nowhere to be seen. So then the next, okay, so, so thanks for that. So the next question would be, when you're watching the highlights back, why does it look like there's a bend in, in reality? I, I don't know how else to describe it. Sean, I don't know. I don't know. I was, I was watching the highlights back, and, and you know the strange thing? I felt like I was being gaslighted by the by the Warriors TV highlights because it's like I was there. I knew Botti Biabi scored the opening goal, but because the coverage was so far away, it's like, did Botti Biabi really score that? I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. Um, so, the, the, yeah. I think it, looks like, it looks like it's been filmed by two different cameras. I, th- I think that's the case as well because uh, I think it must be three lenses and they, they work together depending on where the ball goes and it, it works together. I, think, I don't think they were in sync with each other so that's why the, the Ben was there. But I do think um, that, that the Warriors have got quite a bit of work to do for, to, to make their cover up to snuff. I mean, they've got Kilmarnock in the Scottish Cup. You imagine this is going to be the biggest match that there's no, you can't imagine. This is the biggest match that, that, that Stennis Muir will have, have, have played in during the, since the shutdown. And this is something they really need to get right because you can imagine there'll be a thousand, at least a thousand odd people will be tuning in for it. So it really is something the the, the club uh, need, need to get right. So a lot of work to be done on, on that part. I, I did enjoy at the start of the second half and the, the, the left, so, so basically the, the two halves of the park look to be reacting differently to the camera. So the left-hand side of the pitch was actually vibrating, yes. but the right-hand side of the pitch was, was as you would expect right. a pitch to be, just absolutely flat. But regardless, regardless who, of, uh, who of camera who work... Imagined, or, who could have imagined the Oakle view that, that, that was built on a fault line a dual fault line <laughs> and it goes actually right across the halfway line where, where the, the tremor is so one of the tectonic plates on the left hand side of the pitch is really wobbly the other one was fine 
yeah, even the San Andreas fault has never vibrated as as hard as uh, Okoviu was at the start of the second half. But regardless, how impressed were you by Senesh Muir and have Albion Rovers got any better during uh, the shutdown? I'll answer your second question. First, yes, I, I do think Albion Rovers have improved. Since we played them on the first day of the season and beat them 3-1, and it was very comfortable. 3-1 sounds like it was close, but the Albion Rovers basically got their goal in injury time where Steady had, Steady had cruised it. You know, it was 3-1. The, the Stennis Rovers scored three times. They, screwed, they could have scored more. This time around, however, Albion Rovers have, have brought in a number of like well-known players. They signed David Cox, uh, Ryan Stevenson, and Jamie McKernan. On the one in the one time, and Cox far and away the standout player in that team. I mean, I read an interview with him. He says like he's put on muscle, like he's got his own gym in Motherwell, and he's put on muscle during the lockdown, and he looks like a wee tank. I reckon in the division, he must be the most difficult player to try and get off the ball because he's got huge thighs, a big arse. And like a big, like big broad shoulders as well. So if he he's going he's going into you, you're not going to get the ball off him. And there was a number of times Steny played with a back three, and they've got a new guy called Adam Corbett who they signed from Spartans. This is through all the um, the new analytics system was able to. Which, which sounds like a good system. So I can only presume that Corbett is a an established player who is going to go from strength to strength in the Steny side. Well, the good news is the only way is up for Corbett because I wasn't necessarily all that that impressed by him. But but the, you know it's, it's his debut; it's a step up, spot from lowland league football to the SPFL. There will be a difference. Number of times that the Cox got the better of him and and drew forced well not force him but but drew fouls out of him. Fouls in good positions, and David Cox's dead ball delivery is really really good. Some good balls in, and guys like Sean Fagan and and and, and Morrison and, and and so on playing it inside surf at the back. There were a couple of opportunities they had that they, they really should have done better with because they were very very presentable from the from the attacker, Ryan Stevenson. Ryan Stevenson could be a good player for them. He's an experienced head, but he's really unfit. You know, you can you just you can look at him and you can. I mean, you saw on a view for the terrace when he was showing off his tattoos. He, he, he didn't look like a football player when he was showing off his tattoos. No, he's, he's, he's even not. a league two player. No, he's he, he's not. But I'm sure sure he 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 would say that himself that that his fitness that, that he's that he's he's not fit. However, like he's can be a useful player. Um, if he's if he's if his if his heart and his head's in it, then then he could be a useful player for them. Certainly by considerable distance, the most experienced player in that team. Another one was Jamie McKernan, who previously played at the Warriors. And one of the things I actually didn't appreciate how good McKernan's long passing is. He can boom. Like sixty-yard diagonals, very, very good at that. It's just he—he's another player that doesn't look particularly fit as well. That's something I always thought about his time at Stennis Muir. Looked um, like like he he was uh, he couldn't really get around the park all that well. So I, I think that's one of the problems that that um, Brian Reed has when you when you two of your main players you've got it's a strange squad because there's a lot of young enthusiastic guys that don't necessarily have the quality, and then some some older guys who aren't necessarily. They're the fittest at the right level for the for the football. So it's a, it's a difficult challenge that, that he's got on his hands. But they, they were certainly better than when we played them. And on Tuesday night they played Edinburgh City and um they gave them a bit of a game there. Apparently Edinburgh Edinburgh were, were the better side, but they were made to fight to get the to get the point. So that's my thoughts on Albion Rovers. And Steny, are they gonna are they gonna push for a top four? 
It's it's hard hard to say. I think that there are still question marks over the the Warriors' defence. You've got a right good goalkeeper in Paddy Martin, who has come on loan from Hibernian. I was impressed by Martin before the shutdown. I thought Martin had a good game on Saturday, and he was the man of the match up at Peterhead. They they went with a weird back three. They went with like a, a three one four two formation. And at the back, so he's playing Jonathan Tiffany, and Jonathan Tiffany is the rightest right back you'll see in your puff. You know, he's just like just bombs up and down the flank. He uh, was playing as a sort of left centre back, so it was a weird position for him, and it negated a lot of the stuff that Tiffany uh, is good at. And Craig Little, big centre back, is, is is just good playing at the, the middle of the three, and then Corbett, who we discussed, was was on the right hand side and, and and struggled a little bit. The best player in the park, though, was a guy called Paul Brown. And, and Paul Brown's one of those guys that we mentioned earlier. He was a young boy who was released by Dunfermline. I think he's like 19 years old, diminutive player, just played in front of, played in front of defence and behind Callum Tapping and Ryan Blair in the middle. And all he did was just break up play and just pass the ball on. Some really, really nice touches to to move away from, from oncoming attackers and just move the, move the ball into players who, who were in space. So he had a really vital role. But I'd say perhaps but most impressive of all was the front four. You had Botti Diaby on one wing, Hopkirk and Miller, who I thought was was one of the best players on the pitch, and then Big Mark McGuigan and Tam Muir up top. I thought that when we signed Tam Muir, I thought that was going to be the end for Mark McGuigan. I just got the impression that Irons didn't really fancy him, but the pair of them are working well together. Like McGuigan's got scored I mean, very good centre-forward play. I mean, the goal that he scored on Saturday was a huge mistake from the Albion was from Harry Stone and from Sean Fagan, both going for the same ball and allowing McGuigan in to, to score. But it's just good strikers play, like being at the right place at the right time and reacting. And conversely, Tam Muir is just a big, lanky galoot. You know, he's all right angles. He, imagine if uh, Hen Brun was a football player. <laughs> that he, this, is what, this is what Tam Muir would be. And he looks like a nightmare, an absolute nightmare to play against because... You talk about pressing from the front. He he will just run. He will just run it, boys. For, try and force mistakes. If it doesn't work, at least it give, doesn't give the the defender the chance to settle and play a pass. You know, it forces him to play a pass. So he's just a real disruptive presence up top. Uh, so I did like what I see that I saw him standing, and I thought that him and McGuigan were really really good against Peter Head. And the pair of them were subbed off with 15 minutes to go in that match. And Peter Head were came into it a wee bit more. They, they were able to press forward because Greg Spence and Tam Collins didn't necessarily offer the same levels of energy up front. So I think that I'm really pleased to see McGuigan being given a second go, because I thought, he, I thought he would be out of the club in, in January. I thought they'd try to, to move him on. So it's good to see him and, and Muir working well together. So pleased with the result. That's two, two wins, two clean sheets, but a hard game against Edinburgh City coming up at the, the weekend. So, Sean, those are my thoughts on Sensemere 2, Albion Rovers nil, Slanty. Thank you. Uh, what about uh, what about Elgin versus Edinburgh? So I know we spoke about this uh, the, on uh, View for Terrace. It didn't make the cut. Uh, this didn't make the cut. No uh, shit. You you fancied Elgin for this one? I did. I fancy Elgin for this one because they've they've got a superlative home record. They'd lost once at Borough Briggs in the this season, and that was a, that was a one 0 defeat to Queens Park. So I don't want to use the expression "it's a hard place to go." But, but it is a hard place to go. It is a hard place to go. I think that particularly all these where there's long bus journeys involved, I mean, to Elgin from, from Edinburgh, four hours, more than four hours to get yeah. there. That must be difficult for the players. You know, if, you, if you're up first thing in the morning, you don't get to Elgin until about, what, one? You'll get, or earlier, you'll get a pre-match meal. 
your legs will be a bit knackered. I, I just don't think that's a it's a, it's a hard place to go. But um, Edinburgh, Edinburgh, judging by the highlights, looked quite good. They were two up within within twelve minutes. And uh, so Josh Campbell scored after three minutes. Robbie McIntyre after twelve, and it, it, you kind of felt at that point that my goodness, Gary Nesmith has had a, a, a ridiculous effect on on this team. But to be fair, after that, it was fairly it was fairly even. Stevens, I mean, Elgin might have been Elgin might have been frustrated not to get a point out of it. I don't know, Sean. I think that you can afford like if you go two 0 up, then you can afford to let the other team come on to you. you there, there's not as much impetus in you to attack. I, I, okay, fair enough. But what I would say is that from that point onwards, there wasn't a there, there wasn't a gulf between the teams. I, I, I don't think. No, I, don't I, think think, I don't think. At that point, when I when I heard that score coming through, I thought Elgin Edinburgh are going to blow Elgin away here. But it was it was never a game that that, that went along those lines. No, no, no. I I I agree with you in that regard. I agree with you in that regard. And I think Josh Peters scored a good goal just before half time to to bring um, Elgin back into it. But what what you'd say about Edinburgh in terms of the, I mean that's Robbie McIntyre scored from a, a set piece. I reckon they've got in terms of Craig Thompson. That must be the best dead ball specialist in the division. Uh, did you did you manage to watch Annan nil Cowden Beath nil? Don't give a fuck. <laughs> you know, I think that's a that's a really poor, poor result for either side. I think that what we're seeing now is the the division almost seems to be is like breaking off into little pieces. You've got Queens Park at the top. You've got the teams, and maybe be if you're being kind, you might include Stenhouse Murinus, the teams that have got aspirations of getting into the top four. Then you've got Annan and Cowden Beath beneath that. And then you've got Albion Rovers in, in Brecon City and their own wee mini-league. So I was delighted to see them get a point because it's good for Stenhouse-Muir. However, um, I, I just don't think it wasn't a good performance from, from, from the other side. By all accounts, it wasn't a, a very entertaining game either. Quite uh, the only thing that stuck out was Nathan Flanagan's red card. So Flanagan was already on a booking and I think he, I think he was penalised for a free kick for Cowdenbeath. And as soon as the referee blew the whistle, he volleyed the ball out of the park, so that's that's what he got his second yellow card for, and even the even the Aaron commentator just just kept calling him a, 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 a stupid boy. He was like Captain Manwaring on uh, on Dad's Army, but uh, there was very very little very little to enjoy from the from the highlights. Yeah, uh, shall we go to Queens Park three string run now? Yes, I because I was very impressed by what I saw for Queens Park here. They they're going to win this league at a canter, aren't they? There isn't anybody. I, I thought. I, th- I thought maybe the fact that Stranraer, I, I think Stranraer have got a decent squad. I, I think Stranraer will make the playoffs. I thought they could make like difficult for Queens Park and could maybe could maybe take something off them, but it never looked likely based on the highlights. Nah, man, I think you can tell the, the direction that Queens Park are headed when they brought Luca Connell in on loan from Celtic. And Connell, I think, with, with Celtic being in the position where they have nothing nothing to play for. Guys who are in the fringes of the first team, like Connell, might be given the opportunity to play between now and the end of the season. So. If that wasn't going to be the case, then I would have imagined he, somebody of his quality, would have gone to Braith Rovers. Just say for just say for instance, like a top end team who are, are in a competitive division and within the within the championship. But to see him go on loan to Queens Park, a team who are already squishing the division, you're just like, it's like what, what what really chance does anyone else have? You know, it's, I think it's it'd be interesting for Connell because he he's Ray McKinnon spoke after the match and said that he's. Craig Slater's still injured. God knows he, he seems no luck with injuries. Craig's no luck with injuries. Craig Slater and Connell coming in means they've got someone in the middle of the park who can be creative. So you'll be expected to play every week, expected to create goals, 
and expected to score goals for a team who are expected to win every match quite comfortably. So in a real way, it's like, what if you want to make it a Celtic, but just sort of a lot less magnified than that. And certainly very impressed with him on his debut. Just very classy, very composed in the middle of the park and set up um, Lee Kilday for Queen's Park yeah. second with a, a, a superlative uh, ball in. Just a, a, a world-class uh, cross in. Sorry, world-class class free kick. That's, that'll be the thing as well against teams like Queen's Park. When you're playing against them, you can't afford to give it. You won't be able to give away fouls in the final third because you've got David Galt on one, one side that can put them in. You'll have... Um, uh, Luca Connell and the other that can put them in and, and you're just going to have no chance because then you've got Lethal Day is very good inside the box Peter Grant is very good inside the box Bob McHugh's a predator Simon Murray's a predator so yeah aye, very impressive but again I don't necessarily think Stranraer helped themselves or defending at times is a bit shonky and especially like Kieran Miller uh, for the penalty foul I mean Kieran Miller ended up getting sent off uh, but I, I, Kieran, and Kieran Mills are a player that I really like as well so I'm not, trying not to be as, as as hard on him but aye it was just it, just a bit of a skoosh for, for I, I, uh, I, I watched uh, I watched the Stranar highlights for this one only because they were only because they were slightly shorter and I love the I love the combination that the Stranar commentary team have so there's one of them who there's one of them who refuses to give any credit for the opponents no matter how good the goal is he will not give them credit for how good the goal is. Uh, and he will always criticise the defending. So for uh, for Queen's Park's second goal, as you said, it was a world-class delivery from uh, Luca Connell. And as the ball hit the back of the net, he go, where the, the one of them goes, well, that, that's dreadful defending. Absolutely dreadful from Strunmar. And then the, I think it was a main commentator said, I mean, in, in fairness, that looked like quite a good delivery. And then it, 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 the other guy had to kind of back down. He was like, <laughs> well, well, I suppose. And, it, and then even, even, even for the penalty, he said, well, that, that's a dive. That's never a penalty. And then, then he started criticising the referee and then the other Shonar commentator went, I mean, I mean, in fairness, nobody else, nobody in the Shonar team like complained about that decision. And he went, well, I mean, I suppose you've got a point there. He, he, always, he always reacts very negatively, then has to retreat. I've got I've got a riddle for you. You come to a fork in the road, the left-hand path and the right-hand path, they're both being defended by Sunrar commentators. <laughs> one always tells the truth, one always tells a lie. You can only ask them one question. I <laughs> I no, it was a penalty. You could tell, like, Miller... Uh, Miller didn't complain. Miller didn't think so he put his hands out like that. Nobody he around his foot. Aye. Aye, he knew exactly that. Now, Queen's Park will squish that. And it's, I, I still think that, weirdly, a lot of the teams at the top of the table, in fact, other than other than Rangers, any side at the top of the division is not really playing good football. Because I think Queen's, like Connell will be a, a big difference in, but Queen's, Queen's are quite a stodgy side. And I haven't really been um, all that impressed by them. They've been winning. And yeah, they, they do score goals. And most of the goals are scoring at least three goals a game. But I, I don't think they're all that exciting to watch. And I think that a lot of these, similar to, to a lot of these players, like Hearts, they'll, they'll do a job for them. They'll, they'll get them into the League One, help them establish them there. But I think um, Queen's Park will outgrow them. I I, uh, I think that Queen's Park team would potentially struggle in, in League One. Yeah. Uh, the last game, so the last game, that we had, the only game that I have mentioned is Stirling Albion versus Breakinside. A win, the win for Stirling Albion. A goal from Kieran Moore after 65 minutes. Not a lot to say about this. Breakin looked a wee bit better, but they still never really troubled Stirling Albion at all. Not really. 
Yeah, I think the thing you've actually summed it up quite well, Sean. I, th- I think you've summed it up quite well. Breaking City, they've one of the things they've been able to successfully do over the the lockdown is they've signed some established players, which is which is really important. Like David Hutton's coming and go. Jerry McLaughlin is coming from Pollock, I'm sure, and McLaughlin yep. is McLaughlin was at Breaking for 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 years and is a like a proper like you think of like cult heroes. Jerry McLaughlin is a is a real cult hero. You know, I, I did a a, a Pele podcast with him. Actually, quite a frustrating Pele podcast because you couldn't remember it. You were asking him every every single every point of his career. You couldn't remember it. I was just like saying, "No, oh, just we've played that many games for Breaking." They all just sort of like blend into one. And it was like great pages of notes that I just definitely put into the waste <laughs> paper because there's no point in asking him. But, but why, why? Why is it that he was like he's the only like lots of players have played lots of games? Why is he the only one that couldn't? They couldn't remember like individual moments or individual games or, or individual results. I I I, I don't know. I, I don't know, but the, I think they do look better. But this this is a good start on Albion side. You know, there, there's a lot of good players there. I think a lot of the focus will go on Andy Ryan, who's the like, a striker that I think a lot of people were surprised to see drop down from Championship football with them, fell into part time football in, in, in League Two. But there, there's Solid. I think they played last time I saw them before the lockdown. They played with a back three. They're they're quite expansive. They're, they're good. There seems to be a good sense of camaraderie amongst the players there. So I would fancy them. They'll they'll be in the the top four come come the end of the season. But but whatever you do, don't invite Andy Ryan to your Christmas night out. Oh my God, Sean, do you want to cover the Scottish Cup games? Well, can you do a quick run through of them? We've <laughs> <laughs> been here since Tuesday. Oh man, you know something. The, the funny thing is, we we joked that when when uh, when we last week when we said our availability and Sean and I were both available on a, a Thursday night. I think our ears both pricked up and it was like, well, the lower leagues are coming back. Sean and myself will come together, so it's going to be a lower league special. And I joked to Phil, I said, you'll get a podcast that's two hundred eighty-two minutes. We are not far off that. Well, actually, we are. I mean, that's that's what like five hours long. It's not quite as long as that, but. That's just, just just what happens. We're like a pair of gospel fishwives. I always say to Fowler, you need to be in these podcasts. You need to be the guiding hand in these podcasts. Otherwise, me and Sean just gossip. I would just go off in tangents. He can, he can keep us in line. He's, he's failed to... Uh, well, you know something... If, I, if I blame him. I, I, I blame Fowler. I blame the parents as well. Though there's something you want us to do a shout-out. There's a Patreon episode for two quid. Listen oh, yeah. That's that. going out tomorrow instead of tonight. I think, I was, I think that's all we had to say. Yeah, I, I I don't know what it's about, but I'm sure it's really good. It'll be worth two pound potentially, and that's the words of Craig Fowler. So you know, don't 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 just take me and Sean's word for it. <laughs> uh, I'm sure it's good content. I mean, everything that the Terrace does, I I listen to every single thing that the Terrace produces, and every single thing is five stars. Out out of how many? <laughs> Well, let's not get into the how and why. Let's just say everything is five stars, depending on the, the, the quantity of the scale is uh, is irrelevant. Just Sean, we've got the, the Scotland games kick off in 20 minutes, for fuck's sake. Can we get a wee prediction from you for that? Uh, I I am going to go 1-0 for Scotland. Uh, I, you know something? I will just copy you. I'll go for 1-0 as well. Why not? I'll, I'll, enjoy I'll that. be very happy with that. Nah, you enjoy that conversation? Yes, yes, it was a good conversation. I, I think we covered, uh, we ticked every box. Excellent. Well, that's good enough for me. Well, on behalf of uh, everyone associated with Terrace, thank you very much for listening. We hope you found the podcast uh, both bewitching and enriching. However, if you found it just bewitching or you found it enriching, 
that's good enough. You know, that's uh, in this economy, that's the best you, you can really you're you're really going to get. So, uh, thank you for listening, and do remember subscribe to the the Patreon. The highest tier is eight pounds, but I mean, you're not just to- tossing your money away; you're really getting is your money's worth. Aye. Eight pounds is top tier, is it? They changed it. They went from uh, dollars to pounds. So is it no seven pound? Or oh, maybe seven pound actually. Oh, but if you want to pay, if you want to pay eight pounds, um, by all means. Yeah, maybe we can use that extra pound to find out where the rest of the money goes. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. Uh, I'm not expecting. I've said too much again. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm sure it's all. It's all above board. I'm sure it's all street legal. Um, well, well, uh, yeah. Fuck. Let's just go and watch the football, Sean. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And thank you. And we will see you soon for another several hours. <laughs> Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.